0: He's so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Why did you want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking for me in the braking zone!
1: Better things are possible! Welcome to the IndyCar preview episode of Motorsport 101.
0: Woo! Teen, I got teen! i done it, mate. Thanks, I'm not You are the world! That
2: was exciting. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for the season finale of hashtag season preview season. You love to see it. Welcome to episode 235 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison, and we are here for the 2020 IndyCar season preview. The last of the big three we cover on this show, and we'll be getting deep into that very, very shortly. But amazingly, we recorded episode 234 on Wednesday, the 4th of March, and somehow there's yet even more news to, to get through in the two days since then. It is kind of a funny how these things turn out. And also to cover all the news and to cover this season preview, we have... For the first time, I want to say, since the Centennial Cup, it's a five-person booth, ladies and gentlemen. It is a big one here, folks. So, let's run through all the names real quick. First up, Ryan King. Hello, sir.
3: Hello. Let's not talk about basketball.
2: <laughs> no, let's talk about basketball. How are your Knicks doing these days?
3: <sighs> um, uh, the team seems like it is actually on the verge of collapse now. <laughs>
2: Sounds promising as always. RJ, hello, sir.
1: Hi. Uh, don't talk to me about hockey.
2: Well, why, why would you not talk to you about hockey?
1: Um, my my team is middle of the road at best. This was supposed
2: to be our year. Has this become like Sports Team Supporters Anonymous all of a sudden here? It's like, <laughs> hi, I'm Ryan King, and I'm a New York Knicks fan. Oh, and everyone just sighs in a circle with deep discontent. <laughs> it's not promising. Our fav- Hello, my Cam- favorite
1: striker blew his ACL last week.
2: <laughs> oh, Joseph Martinez, I did see that. It was even sad when I saw Armour on score for Newcastle. And he did the other half of the fusion start, uh, and it made bring me back it my made me Bring back
1: my son from Newcastle hell. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh dear! Joining the sports sports fans anonymous dog pile here is Cam Buckley. Hello, sir.
4: Don't talk to me about baseball. Someone Thanos snapped the Red Sox. <laughs> Probably for the best.
2: And finally, welcome again his return to the podcast. It's Chris Hardy ladies and gentlemen. Hello, sir.
5: Don't talk to me about cricket because I don't know a damn thing about it. well for those of you who don't know i think it was like south america south africa and australia were playing like the women's league a few days ago or (laughs) some or some tournament somewhere i don't know and i was trying to say okay what is this what is that And everybody was really kind to me trying to help me figure this out even though i had no idea what the hell there was, was going on just think of it like this it's baseball but it's advantageous to throw the ball in the dirt
1: um, and you can hit dingers in any part of the field. Sounds fun. Yeah, all right.
5: I guess it works. And don't hit the sticks, I guess.
2: <laughs> that, certainly, uh, that, that certainly wouldn't hurt. Um, <laughs> Okie dokie. I'll get the housekeeping out of the way. we YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. we on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, and if you want to follow our personal handles, you can at, Dan deep breath here, Dre, at Harrison101HD, at C The Hardy, at CBuckley917, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. Woo! Did it first time. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows, gets you in the Supporters Club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded and interact with us in an exclusive chat. It's a fun time for all involved. Chat out to the audience as always. Thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoy your Friday night. Um, This should be fun, to say the least. And, of course, you can find all those details and a whole lot more on our website, motorsport101.com, where all our videos and all our blog content is up there as well so thanks to everyone for supporting us much appreciated as always and uh yeah oh by the way we have a discord server where we record all these shows if you want to get into that discord server for free you can just ask one of us hosts and we'll when su- we will sort you out that's me cam rj um or king as well so just dm any of us if you want an invite to that but remember that the supporters club to listen to the shows is a ten dollar backer level on patreon right all that, all that out of the way. Let's get into the news, and we'll, um, do, we don't need a musical break for this one. We're gonna get straight into it here. We're we're ramped up on this one this time round. So we're starting off off the top with great news. There's been even more coronavirus postponements and cancellations. Woo-hoo!
0: Hooray! <laughs> all right.
4: COVID nineteen uh, marches on. We are down with
5: the sickness, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, ah,
4: ah.
2: And so, we have another, unfortunately we have a, another not so healthy scratch, this time in Formula the Rome E-Prix has been postponed, and according to those in the know, it probably will not be rescheduled, King. Aww.
3: Yes, it is looking like Rome is postponed, highly unlikely you'll find a place on the calendar this season, though the uh, it is looking very likely that there will be a replacement E-Prix at oh? Valencia.
1: Oh, the uh, the straight track.
3: No, the the permanent circuit.
1: Ah, ah. Okay, I see.
3: Yes, because most of the equipment's already there because that's for formal e tests. <laughs> like, though, uh, fans will not be able to attend. It'll be a closed door race if it happens. <sighs>
1: So, in other words, unless you're part of the press or, you know, working for the teams or any other essential function, you ain't getting in. This is the yep. second event to be canceled, to be postponed and or canceled on the Formula E calendar this season.
3: Ooh, both due to uh, COVID-19.
1: And there may be more Paris, Seoul, Jakarta, Berlin, who knows? New York. I hope not, New York.
2: Indeed. Um, on top of that as well, we've got, a more, we've got a little bit of an update on the MotoGP situation. There was a sit-down interview with Carmelo Esperolta, um as part of a press conference talking about the situation at large. They have found a new date for the Thailand Grand Prix that was previously postponed. It was meant to be round two in, in the championship um, in three weeks time, but, uh, fortunately, uh, that has, that has been moved, but they have found a new slot for it, it is now going to be on October the 4th. So pretty much where it was last year, um, just before the flyaway starts, um, to accommodate this, they've now, they've now brought Aragon forward a week. So it is now a back to back double header, um, with Aragon on September 27th now and Thailand on October 4th.
1: Ooh, that's um, going to be a tight turnaround.
2: It um it, it gets worse. Look at it this way: that now means the end of the calendar now has six races in eight weeks and five in six weeks.
4: Turn around for that's going to be wild.
2: Yeah, September twenty seventh to November the first is go. You're going to have five races in six weeks. You have got a double header in Aragon and Thailand, two weeks off, then the flyaways, which traditionally is a triple header, Japan on October eighteenth. Phillip Island on October 25th, and then Sepang on November 1st. The, the reason for this is because Camelo said himself he wants to try and keep the structure of the original calendar somewhat intact. Um, there, he was pretty. To be fair, he was actually refreshingly honest about the whole situation, saying, "Well, look, we've got many options on the table here. You know, we could reshuffle races around. That's probably not ideal because obviously, organising Grand Prix takes time. It's expensive. It takes a lot of effort." There's no easy way around that. Um, Further races could be done under closed doors. That's certainly a possibility. I know this Qatar weekend for Moto2 and 3, I believe, is now under closed doors. Um, So, you know, that is a possibility. Um, They've said canceling races is a last resort, but it is certainly not off the table. Mm. So, again, depending on how this virus spreads, we don't know for sure. It's all a little bit fluid. He... He did though raise the possibility that we may even be racing up until Christmas. So, uh, <laughs> you know, th- this season could be here for a long time, folks, if races get moved around. So um, it's a very fluid situation, obviously. You know, you can't predict how this virus is going to go and how you know whether it spreads or whether it doesn't, who heals up, Who's what country is going to take, what requirements, etc. But the GP calendar could be a bit of a mess um, going forward. We'll have to wait and see how it goes um, in the coming weeks and months But that's an update on that situation Aragon and Thailand are now back to back Thailand back on the calendar October the 4th <laughs> uh, um, Also another one that's interesting That's come up as well The Bahrain Grand Prix Formula 1 wise In three weeks time They're no longer selling tickets for that one Apparently And, uh, it, uh, James, and it, ain't, that.
4: it ain't because it's sold out
3: <laughs> Closed doors Grand Prix is, is that is that looking is that, like is that? It. Yeah, it's looking the like vibes? It, like they've yeah. kind of hinted at that they, depending on how the situation evolves, they either could open tickets back up the sale or give everyone who bought tickets a refund.
4: That's not that's not good odds, sir. <laughs>
2: I don't think they would cancel ticket sales three weeks before a race event to open them up again last minute. I feel like that's mm. that's a closed doors Grand Prix Bob. That's what my hunch says on that. Um...
1: Hi. RJ here. Uh, they did indeed announce that they had the Bahrain Grand Prix behind closed doors. More on the next episode. Now back to the show.
2: RJ, why did he put crisis cell in brackets on the set list?
1: Mm. <laughs> um, well, because the FIA have a new a new compound, a new measure of how to deal with this situation as evolves. The crisis cell.
2: <laughs> in capital letters, by the way,
3: may I add. Very important. Dramatic fact. Can you tell
1: me? It, it sounds like
3: AEW's take on Hell in a Cell. Not gonna lie. <laughs> it does.
2: <laughs> so, King, when are you getting a controversial new neck tattoo?
3: Oh, God, never.
1: <laughs> Can I just say, like, off-topic, that I feel like John Motsley's Ford GT should be a defendable championship in all elite <laughs> wrestling? Uh, if people can do this with the custody of dominic mysterio they can do this with john motsley's ford gt but yes um as part of the world motorsport council decisions this friday uh the fia set up a crisis cell to crisis cell to consider the latest developments around the world
3: yes they'll they'll meet uh pretty much every other day to discuss the current situation with COVID-19 and how it affect the international motorsport calendar and what actions they should take. Hmm.
5: Remember, wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. Please do. For those of you that are music buffs, that's from the time when they say they start singing in Welcome to the Black Parade from My Chemical Romance until you say The uh, Broken and the Damned.
1: This is also the entirety
5: of the chorus of
1: Outcasts. I'm sorry, Mrs. Jackson. Ooh,
2: <laughs> sorry, had to do it. <laughs> Speaking of the FIA and uh, crisis cells. Ooh. Uh, there's been an update on the Ferrari versus the world situation here. Then the FIA's counterstatement regarding
3: this. I mean, King, do you, do you do you want to tell us more on this? Oh, was it a um,
4: counterstatement?
3: Okay. So their statement, which was uh, one paragraph long in the in the World Motorsport Council's decisions, uh, it was quote: "The council expressed unanimous support for fi for the FIA president and the FIA technical <clears throat> well, we department." We
4: should we we should talk about um that is part four essentially to this because we got a part three was it yesterday? Yesterday, when um after the. Statement issued by the seven teams against Ferrari and the FIA came out. The FIA issued a a, a counter statement <laughs> as, per <my> last email,
3: <laughs> as per my last email.
4: As per my last email, where they effectively said that while they ha- are suspicious that Ferrari was not fully within the rules they don't have enough concrete evidence to actually sanction Ferrari or take them to court. Which
1: kind of supports our theory on the whole thing, when we all sit down and think about it.
3: And more importantly, because it never left the inquiry phase and was submitted as a case to the International Tribunal, uh, it's still under uh, Article 4, Section 6 of the FIA adjudication and disciplinary rules, where uh, that's pretty much like, hey during an inquiry there's complete confidentiality no one involved can talk about it
0: and
2: I find that amazing that <laughs> all the teams just seem to ignore that that convenient part of the rules where if if there was an investigation in any normal line of work they would the investigation would not be talked about by the people conducting it in public for god's sake it's like that 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 kind of goes without saying, but yet the team seem to conveniently ignore
3: that part. <laughs> yeah, because that's most likely why Ferrari hasn't really talked about it. Because if they talk about it, settlement be- could become null and void, and they could be penalized for violating confidentiality.
4: <laughs> yeah, statement reads the for- the FIA has to- conducted detailed technical analysis of the Scuderia Ferrari power unit as it is entitled to do for any competitor in the FIA Formula 1 World Championship. The extensive and thorough investigations undertaken during the 2019 season raised suspicions that the Scuderia Ferrari PU could be considered as not operating within the limits of the FIA regulations at all times. The Scuderia Ferrari firmly opposed the suspicions and reiterated that its PU always operated in compliance with the regulations. The FIA was not fully satisfied, but decided that further action would not necessarily result in a conclusive case due to the complexity of the matter and the material impossibility to provide the unequivocal breach of evidence of a breach. More or less, while they think Ferrari might be doing something, they literally ha- they can't prove it with the yeah, current yeah, measurement systems evidence. they have.
3: Yeah, the FIA pretty much believe that they can't prove that Ferrari, you know, violated the rules beyond a reasonable doubt.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like any video review situation in any sport. Yep. You have to have clear and conclusive evidence to overturn the call.
3: Yeah.
2: And the call was nothing was nothing to be, nothing to be worried about. So, yeah, here
3: we are and yep. uh We got the FIA's, and then today, the FIA's highest body, the World Motorsport Council, decided, quote, the council expressed unanimous support for the FIA president and the FIA technical department in regard to the overall management of the case, and strongly opposed any comments that undermine the reputation and image of the FIA and the Formula One World Championship.
4: I mean, comments like Helmut Marcos saying that in any other association, this would be political suicide by
1: Jean Todd. That FIA is just one letter away from FIFA, which, in that sense, he's not wrong. Mm. Technically,
2: that is true. If you, if, <laughs> yes. if, you, if you are playing Scrabble, you do need one extra F or a blank tile to get from, from the FIA to FIFA. As Stephen if A would, would say,
4: you're not wrong, but you didn't have to <laughs> say it. <laughs>
1: I'm right. here to tell you right now, we don't care.
4: <laughs> I mean, we don't care. Yeah, that's more or less what this... Uh, the motorsport council has said is uh T L D R go fuck yourselves. Yeah,
2: Pretty much. Yeah. It's just shut up shut up and drive, fellas. Right, hopefully that matter is closed and will never be brought up or mentioned again.
4: Listen probably, about no. it more on next week's Motorsport 101.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Speaking of potentially unpopular decisions from the World Motorsport Council, we'll talk about the one that is very popular to us, but <laughs> bang, financial news and goings-ons. Remember, we are the most trusted uh, financial news source when it comes to Formula One, it's true.
3: It's true. Uh, let's see. Well, they decided to make a couple amendments to the upcoming financial regulations that give uh, basically the referees in this realm a lot more control, where the cost cap administrators have been given the power to request at any time, either remotely at or at the team's premises, uh, you know, access to their financial records.
2: So they can basically ask for a team's records on two days' notice at any time, anywhere, basically. Like a
4: drug yes. test. Yeah, like a drug test. Pretty much.
2: What do you mean, is
3: that a competition testing? <laughs> 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 oh,
0: dude.
3: But, yes, that that is probably, you know, looking more into the financial regulations that were updated, pretty much the FIA has given... Uh, Anyone who officiates on the financial regulations, carte blanche, to try to get full and complete access to the financial matters of any Formula 1 team. I love it. uh, We talked a a lot about it off-air, but also, in in the regulations, it does, besides, you know them having the ability to not only expel teams currently from the championship but also suspend them uh, indefinitely from the championship Uh, they also have immunity powers where they can grant individuals immunity to give evidence to them
2: oh very Major League Baseball then
3: yeah because they could also uh, they could also punish people on an individual by individual basis
2: yep we're securing Toto's bag everybody um (laughs) You know, if 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 Turner goes over the cap, we can find him out of his own back pocket. It's beautiful. <laughs>
3: <sighs> uh, Feed
2: me more. <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah. Besides that, also other interesting matters from from the FIA World Motorsport Council is uh the ratification of the next generation of Formula Four car, where uh the Halo is coming to the FIA's lowest category.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that at the Motorsport games, they had an FIA Formula 4 car with a Halo and a, and hybrid, a hybrid system.
2: hybrid system. <laughs> God, <the> hybrid. <laughs> oh. Hybrids in Formula 4.
3: So Hi- no, no championship is actively, like seriously thinking about implementing a hybrid system, except British Formula 4. But besides that, no other championship is seriously considering putting a hybrid system in an F4 car.
2: I'll say that'd be a bit expensive, wouldn't it? I mean,
3: well, it would just be, a tad. it would be off the shelf, so it's not like they would have to develop it.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, this you is all great and all, but I think there's one announcement out of this FIA uh, World Motorsport Council that we are all very excited to hear. Only because it was such a
4: stupid rule in the first place.
3: Oh, yes, Formula 1 has gotten approved the repeal of the one helmet rule. Yes, yes! So, um,
4: yes! so, Sebastian Vettel to win ten championships in a row, with twenty different helmets per year. <laughs>
2: the funny. church is back! Rebuild it!
4: Grazie, ragazzi! The more helmet designs he has, the more powerful he becomes.
3: I am erect! The exact wording, quote, a change in the... A change to the 2020 sporting regulations was approved to allow for unrestricted variations to driver helmet designs between races.
2: I am moist. Just reading this news. <laughs> I've waited years for this... This thing. Technically, it's the Daniel Kivyat rule, but the, I, I, I've always called it the Sebastian Vettel rule because there was no way on Earth this rule would not be a thing if it wasn't for his consecutive run of changing helmets after every round. It's the Sebastian Vettel rule. I will accept no substitutes. And the, it's
1: gone! The <laughs> miniature helmet market is going to explode <laughs> once more.
4: And all of the money is going to be coming from one man.
2: Oh, uh, like, like who, who, who? who, who uh, which one of us are helmet aficionados around it? Mm. Ah. Mm.
1: Very, very surprising.
2: Why is it? Why is? It, why is, it, why is it looking at me in here?
1: It's mm. a constructive hobby,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel highly judged and very embarrassed right now. Yeah.
3: Um, I'm, I'm gonna miss Seb's German, German helmet design. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure
4: he'll, uh... he'll put a new twist on it every time. Yeah, that's what Just I'm like... thinking. Is that he'll have that base design with a new twist on it. Every single race For the rest of his career
1: You'll love oh, to down. see it You'll love like to see Coda. it It's like Coda
3: It's Stars and Stripes
2: <laughs> Yeah it's America we'll, we'll, we'll make it seasonal. seasonal
4: Oh boy Having
1: national pride In America
2: <laughs> No that never mm. happens
1: Having national pride In a lot of other places For that matter Hmm
2: yeah, we, we, we're going to make a giant sausage helmet and uh, name it the Brexit helmet. Now That'll work. Um,
1: just as long as it's not vegan sausage. <laughs> as long as the
4: design isn't that of COVID-19. That's Italy. Oh. And to be fair,
2: it, it could be worse. It could be the grand tour name in a track after Ebola.
4: What? I, the Ebola There's drone is the this. pinnacle of track design. It's the
2: pinnacle of track design. It's the pinnacle of, of cheap second-rate horseshit compared to the old show. Anyway, should we, the best, is, should we get to the best?
5: Should uh, we get to the best? The big news that we have not covered yet. A word. A word. Former NASCAR CEO Brian France has filed a lawsuit against the operator of a parody Twitter account that goes by the name Drunken Brian France. <laughs> 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 the, the litigation was filed in Stamford, Connecticut on February 28th and alleges that user John Steele is impersonating, harassing, and targeting the third generation former NASCAR leader. And the suit is asking for a trial by jury and seeks damages in excess of $15,000. The biggest re, uh, reveal here, Brian France lives in Connecticut. <laughs> I
2: was going to say, like, Stamford, Connecticut, like, like, I was saying, was Vince McMahon running this parody account?
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh my! More more NASCAR news. Ryan Newman is back in the garage. Woo! Yay! I am very glad to hear this. Yeah, that's
2: awesome news. Good
4: yeah, see it. Well, as well. NASCAR is cutting it down. We now have Daytona Speed Week. Just a single week. Yes, just a single week. And as we touched on on the last episode, the Bush Clash will now take place on the Daytona Road Course.
3: Oh, boy. So, so you're telling me the invitational race for last year's pole winners, mm-hmm. you know, who probably most likely won pole on an oval will have their invitation-only race on a road course.
4: You're goddamn right. <laughs> yeah. And not That's... only that, mm-hmm. this will not take place with the new Gen 7 cars with far more advanced suspension, transmission, etc.,
3: Oh, so we're getting one last go?
4: One last go with the old cars. God help your wheel hop into turn one.
1: I like this because I think one of the problems that was raised by one of the listeners of our show um, was the fact that teams were using the Bush Clash as an impromptu test session and kind of dicking around with it too much. So if you have an entirely different car, an entirely different track, uh, well, that helps... Fits those problems. That it does.
4: Yep. More news and, as well. Um, Tony Stewart is coming back to the Xfinity Series for
1: one race. I'm, but it's at Indianapolis. Indianapolis <laughs> Road Course. Yeah. Which is wild to think about how we have two modern-day Hall of Famers who have made recent Xfinity Series intermediate-class debuts. Mm-hmm. This would be kind of like, okay, uh, Dre, just imagine, like, Colin Edwards just, like, came back out of the blue to just run as a wildcard in Moto2. (sighs)
3: Or, or, Fernando Alonso made his debut in Formula
1: (laughs) 2. That would be weird.
3: That way he
4: could literally say GP2 engine.
1: (laughs) But But it's not even a GP2 engine
4: anymore. Fine. <laughs> Fine, F2. Hey, the old ones didn't explode off the start line every fucking race.
3: Well, they fixed that problem. <laughs> I still Oh, have good. No, I'm, I'm glad
1: they did. I still have <laughs> no respect for Mechachrome. They're trash. But you know, on the subject of wildcards, Dre. <laughs>
2: yes.
1: The worst kept secret.
2: The, the like probably the worst kept secret in MotoGP that was left on the table after a hectic silly season. We all we talked about it earlier in the year about Jorge Lorenzo coming back as a test rider to Yamaha. He was always coy about that, and uh, he's he's teased it, and it is now official. Jorge Lorenzo will return to MotoGP as a wild card at a Catalan Grand Prix of Barcelona in May. Um, I. I I don't even know what to say on this one. It's like, am I the only one here? And this is and this is me maybe being contrarian, which never happens on this podcast. <laughs> like, it takes some of the emotional edge off his retirement that was only seven months ago. I mean, not even seven. I mean, shit, this was November. So you're looking at, what, four months ago he announced his retirement from the sport and now he's coming back as a wildcard because he can ride a Yamaha? I just, oof.
3: Can't miss you if you're still here.
4: I saw this coming as soon as he was announced as coming back to Yamaha. Like, if he is not literally crippled, and he spent most of last year literally crippled, if he can get on that Yamaha and he's fast, he's going to come back for some races.
1: Yeah. And he did. I am actually very glad that he is in a spot where he feels mentally and physically up to it again. I didn't expect for it to be so soon, if at all. Uh, I would have been content for him just to enjoy retirement because heaven knows he's earned it. But I hope, now that he is announced, that Jorge Lorenzo actually crushes it. And hell, depending on how many races get wiped from the calendar, we could be in Catalonia and he could be a championship contender after his <laughs> first
0: appearance.
2: Look, I I I'm cynical. It just makes me think like the whole retirement was a stunt to get out of Honda's contract. Of course like it was. That, of course like it that, was. Like, that, like that's what this whole thing smells like to me. And I'm glad I'm not the only one thinking that because I don't want to come across like I'm like the only man in the room that's pointing out the enormous blue-colored elephant in it but um that... say um,
4: what do you think Alberto thought when this was announced <laughs>
2: <laughs> He probably he, he probably pulled that balls of his hair which isn't much at this
4: point yeah, I was going to say you're uh, diminishing returns there
2: yeah very much a law of diminishing returns but you know yep. like I, like you said like like you say RJ good for lorenzo if he's if he's up to it mentally and physically then more power to and people will file out for him he is still a remarkably popular man he lives like just down there. He's a massive Barcelona fan. He'll have a lot of hometown support coming over. It's a big deal for the Catalan race, certainly. And let's not forget, Lorenzo has won here five times in the past. He, he, he walks into this race an automatic contender mm-hmm. to win it on a Yamaha if he's used to riding that bike again competitively. He'll be rusty, I'm sure of that. But uh, given there is a test right after Catalonia as well, you know, um, this was always kind of on the cards. Um,. I just look at Lorenzo a little bit less fondly um, because it, it basically used uh, re- the emotions of a retirement and especially I thought it was an incredibly nasty incident to basically pull the wool out from under Honda's eyes and basically re-buddy up with Yamaha and get a testing gig. And like the percentage of him coming back to the sport full-time seems to be going down by the week. Uh, so, you know, mm. it's, it's a bit... Snakey from me on that one Personally but like like you say More power to him if he wants to come back He's more than entitled to if they're going to give him the opportunity To and they will so You know of course it's, it's a Lorenzo Why wouldn't they um, uh, So yeah you know Lorenzo's back So that's you know good for him um, Even if it's just for one round
4: One more one more Ooh. Big piece of news
3: How big we talking Detail?
4: It's thick news Thick with 38 C's Prototype oh.
3: convergence has been ratified.
1: Whoa, okay. we can no, go I'm... home
3: now. <laughs> Nobody Yay. didn't pull out. Let's move on. <laughs> uh
1: when I when I thought you were about to mention like it's thick with thirty eight C's, I thought it was going to be about that drawing of the McLaren diffuser. <laughs> <for> the <internet>. <laughs> 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 Oh, I mean, no. That's a thick diffuser. Not very aerodynamically effective, but still very thick nonetheless. What's thicker, the diffuser on that McLaren? Or the BMW M8. Or
4: the BMW mm, M8. My... Oh, boy. Finally, so... a worthy opponent. Our battle will be legendary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like that this was, like, kind of the thing that we passed along to each other, just like in secrecy, like, here. Look at this. You, you want to <laughs> see it. It's hideous. I hold RJ responsible. I hold somebody that doesn't pay money to our Patreon responsible. And that's fine. You know who you are. Love you. Guys, yes, we do. do we want to talk about some damn indie cars? I want to yes, talk about do. some
4: damn indie cars. Ooh, it's time.
5: Let's do this.
2: For the most anticipated season review of them all, after this quick commercial break for some music. Not without any commercials in. My bad. We will talk about the 2020 IndyCar Season Preview. (laughs) The big one. The 2020 IndyCar Season Preview is here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've been really looking forward to this one. We're all very, very excited for the 2020 season and what it could unfold. And uh, we're going to break it down like we normally do on this show. We're going to go team by team, and we're going to go with the big three contenders first. Work our way down. We'll do some stops along the way, and we'll get it all figured out. And a lot of takes, because there's five of us here. So we'll, I'll get right to it as well. And uh, get into the be in, into the nitty gritty of it This little guide was written by RJ himself So all credit to him Thank you RJ, you're the man, you're as always um, And uh, yeah I'll go into full narrator mode here So forgive me on this one if I sound a bit patchy At times, but uh, I do try I like my narration voice Right, should we get into The mother load first Yes, you guessed it, it's Team Penske
4: You pour in Blood, sweat and tears <laughs> And then you lose to Pensky.
2: Of course. What else, what else did you expect? Reigning champion in the number one car, two-time series champion, Joseph Newgarden. We have one-time series champion and Indy 500 winner, Will Power, in the number 12 car. Simon Pagelo, with the same accomplishments, one Indy 500 title and one national title in the 22 car. My
0: boy! Oh. Yeah!
2: A retained lineup from 2019, but with two wildcards. Helio Castroneves, the three-time indie car sorry 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 Indy 500 champion, I should say, in the number three car will be back for the 500. And Scott McLaughlin, a series rookie, will make his debut at the Indy Road Course in the month of May as well. In the number two car, apparently. So, Scotty. We'll that.
4: The
2: quote. Penske is indomitable and inevitable, the team with more wins in IndyCar than any other. Hell, their founder just bought the series and the Speedway for which it's named for. We could go on at length about series champions willpower, Simon Pagano, and the two-time and defending champion Joseph Newgarden. The affable Tennessean Newgarden is only missing the Indy 500 to complete a career on a Hall of Fame trajectory before he even turns 30. The charming Frenchman Pagano waved the middle finger to his detractors with a perfect month of May and first Indy 500 victory last year, and the tenacious Aussie power rebounded from a hellacious start to a rattle of two wins in the last four. This trio could be content to reign over IndyCar for many years to come. Of course, it's never that easy as a new contender from from within the Penske family has thrown his hand into the ring. The two-time and reigning Australian Supercars champion, Scott, I've not got an award named after me, McLaughlin, will race at the (laughs) Indianapolis GP, and potentially more with the goal of a full-time IndyCar switch in the very near future. Will the spectre of Scotty crank up the pressure for Penske's current full-timers? And in, in case they weren't small enough for riches, Helio Castroneves, now a 20-plus year member of the Penske family, will again chase his record tying fourth Indy 500 victory at age 46. It's good to be the captain. And because I haven't said it in a while, let's not forget, guys, that Helio Castroneves still has
1: magnificent hair. Phenomenal hair. There. With just from <laughs> man assistance.
2: No! Stop ruining the illusion,
4: Chris! (laughs) 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 The illusion is half the battle, Chris. It's like Shaq's new hairline. (laughs) We don't talk about Shaq's new hairline.
2: Oh, Lord.
4: I didn't know he had a hairline. (laughs) Uh, All you need to know is he lost a bet to Dwayne Wade.
2: He had to grow it out with with some marker pen by the looks of it. It's like (laughs) Moses parting the Red Sea. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Lads, let, you know, I think this Penske section is going to be brief about it from a performance standpoint. I know it. You know it. They're the best team in the sport. They have the best driver lineup in the sport. You know, they have all the resources in the world. They are the juggernauts, and long may it continue.
0: Uh,
3: but I think it's worth discussing the big McLaughlin in the room.
2: Oh, yeah, that's what I was getting to. The
3: big McLaughlin. <laughs> That's what
2: she said. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah.
4: I thought she said, uh, plucked her in first, gave her some Jandal, and fuck yeah.
1: Plucker, Jandal, fuck yeah. Repeat. Yeah. McLaughlin only confirmed for the Indy Grand Prix, but there has been speculation that they will add more races to his slate. Depending on, one, if this Indy GP test goes well, and based on the preseason testing, uh, he's taking to IndyCar very well, And, of course, his supercars commitments, because this will be kind of a year where he's expected to gradually phase from supercars into IndyCar. Now, the interesting thing is, let's say Scotty does commit to a full-time season. Do they add a fourth full-time car, which Penske has done before, or are they looking potentially to replace one of their three drivers, which would seem absolutely ludicrous because they're all still really good! I think they would have to go to add another
4: car because you've got, uh, <clears throat> as follows, the last two Indy 500 winners, both of which who have have a series championship, and then a guy who's won two of the last three championships.
2: I don't know, man. Why would Pen- why did Pensy go go down from four cars to three in the first place?
3: Well, they got rid of Montoya and never replaced.
1: They got, yep. they, specifically, they pushed Elio Castroneves to part-time duty. That's why they scaled back in the first place. Yep. I think they would certainly have the resources to pull together a talented fourth team of uh, drivers, engineers, mechanics, and the like. I mean, if we're talking resources, Penske has and more his,
4: resources than
1: literally everyone. They own the series. They own the sport.
2: Yeah. And as Chris points out, to be fair, it's not really a case of they never replaced Montoya, they replaced him for New God and they just cut a car down anyway.
4: Oh, <sighs> well, and then they ran five cars that year at Indy because they also brought back they Montoya.
2: They just brought him back as a part-timer, effectively. So who who
3: would be the one to go?
1: The thing is... Pagano. It would be Pagano, but not because he would be like underperforming, but because... The rumor is that a team will be talking about, a, a recently repackaged team, is interested in trying to get a familiar face, because let's not forget that under this team's previous guys, Simon Pagino did pretty well for them, all things considered. True,
4: but also at the same time, the Indy 500 triumphs all. And uh, yeah. if you win a 500 for Roger, the rest is kind of irrelevant.
2: Yeah, I would say that, but it's like it's like Pensky have a weird knack of pulling five hundred wins out of their arse when when one of their drivers is on the brink. It's like when Seto Kaiba pulls a Blue Eyes in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's like it just comes up at the last minute. It's like the heart of the cards kicks in and they win the big one. And we were talking, we were having a similar discussion about power a couple of years ago. Then he won the 500. Um, we were talking about that with Pagano last year, and then he he wins the 500 and clean sweeps the month of May. You know, it's they have a knack of pulling the shit out of the fire when 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 up against the wall. So who's it going to be this year, folks? Is it going to uh, be new gods here at last?
4: You, pro- <laughs> any if you drop any of the three drivers at Penske, uh, I don't know. All yeah. three of them are so good.
5: Chris, what's your take on this? My take on this is that as long as Power wants to drive, Roger Penske will have a seat for him. Uh, If you look at if you look at power and how he came into the uh, team in the first place remember power came into team penske when eliot kachanevas was facing jail time for tax evasion with the irs which he was acquitted of and in my opinion once you get acquitted from tax evasion from the irs you ought to, should become a us citizen automatically and then he became a part-time driver in 2009 and then nearly won three titles in a row from 2010 through 2012 um which is probably one of the biggest reasons why power stayed on so long is that he's consistently run up front i mean if you look at power's record he's got what 35 36 wins i think um since joining the team i'd have to take a look at that but he's one of the most successful drivers over the last 10 years in indycar and like i said as long as power wants to drive penske will have a seat for him new garden has won a ton of races over the last three years driving for Roger and two of the last three championships, he's not going to leave. But as we talked about earlier with Pagano, there is another team that is desperately wanting to bring him back. And that team owner said on another podcast a couple of years ago, I learned my lesson with him when he went to another team. So when it came to losing drivers, so yeah, Pagano is in demand for his services. If Pagano leaves, I would expect McLaughlin to come in and take that spot.
2: And to be fair, I've always felt like Pagano's been the most expendable out of the three since they've gone to a three car setup. I always felt like Pagano was the one on the outside looking in most. Which is a shame because, like, that is an incredibly talented team where they've all won multiple championships and all 500s. It's like Pagano was the least, was like the most expendable of the three. And we're talking about a guy that has now won. Everything you can win in the series,
4: um, which is crazy. Was he not runner-up in the championship last year? Anyways, to only yes, do work? Runner up, runner up was runner-up, runner-up only to New Garden. We're talking. Pensky is just an embarrassment of riches.
1: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yes. if if worst comes to worst, hell, they still have an IMSA program you can run for. You could probably do some at spendy series <laughs> road races. Fuck it. The only
2: other the only other racing series on at the moment. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. By the way, all races expected to carry on as normal in the IndyCar series. Just with why did West. you say that?
4: RJ, why would you say that?
3: Yeah, I, I should note, just in case anything changes, that yesterday, Indianapolis had their first confirmed case of coronavirus. God, God <laughs> damn
2: it! Oh.
1: Chris. Way to go, King. <laughs>
0: That's,
2: uh, yeah, I mean... It, it, as you said it is still an absolute embarrassment of riches at Penske they are still probably heavy favorites besides maybe one or two guys to win the championship any one of their free drivers could easily win it if, if the if the cards fall on the table the right way for him and Scott McLaughlin in the back pocket ready to go is Again, probably the most exciting potential new entry to the series, maybe since Fernando Alonso took on the 500, which is which was a massive deal then. Um, and it just built, the the excitement when the initial announcement about McLaughlin driving in IndyCar at Indianapolis later this year was massive on social media. It, it blew
5: up. If McLaughlin yeah. puts on a show uh, at the Indy Grand Prix like he did at at uh, Adelaide in 2014. He will instantly become a fan favorite, like how Robert Wickens did at St. Pete in 2018. I can, I would put money down on that. And Drayson, you bookie. You would take that money, I know.
4: Oh, God,
2: without even a second thought.
4: <laughs> um... And that's not getting into uh, their wild card for the 500. Uncle! Three-time Indy 500 winner. He who has magnificent hair. Elio Castroneves. Still going okay, for did... number
3: four. Yeah, is, is this this year? Is this this year to... to, to to break into that iconic club, can he get his fourth 500 with? It'll be t- tough. It's time to climb. <laughs> the problem is, is
4: that when we're talking, and well, other than 1995, but we don't talk about that year with regards mm-hmm. to Penske. Um, mm-hmm. He has three of the best drivers in the sport in the same team to go up against. It will be tough for him
1: to even distinguish himself amongst his own team. And the last couple of attempts have not been as fortunate To where we were actively wondering Is he done chasing it with Penske
4: Yeah, because since his second place only to Taku in 2017 um, Yeah, you're right, it's really not gone well At least this time you won't have to worry about Getting sent to the Shadow Realm by Harry Tinknell (laughs) Oh god 24
1: hours!
2: 24 hours, man!
1: 24 hours. I'm it's really sad that this is the last year of the Penske games, too. But I can oh, understand. Gosh. they got resources to dump into, you know, owning the series and the Speedway.
3: It happens. Get the IndyCar games.
1: <laughs> yeah,
4: That's... in fairness, no matter who wins, even if Penske loses, Penske still wins because he owns the series <laughs> now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happens, Penske wins. Oh, dear. So, yeah... There's Team Penske in the nutshell for you, folks. Still favorites, still all the resources in the world, and, uh, yeah, all the deliciousness that comes with that. Right, Chip Ganassi, ladies and gentlemen. I I
3: think I got this one. I got this one. Go on, King. It's all yours. Yep, Chip Ganassi Racing. This year, they arrive with a three-car lineup. Back in the number nine again, Scott Dixon. Five-time series champion and a one-time Indianapolis 500 champion. Also back, number 10, Felix Rosenquist. And new car in the number 8, Marcus Erickson. Coming over from a Smith Peterson, now Errol McLaren. So in the preview it says... Chip, Chip Ganassi Racing's three decades of IndyCar success will surely continue into 2010, and it all starts at the top with Scott Dixon. 2010? Forget Ronaldo.
4: <laughs> As we like oh, to call well. him,
3: Scott Dixon eternal. Eternal will surely continue into 2020, and it all starts at the top with Scott Dixon. Forget Ronaldo, Sheer, and Zlatan. Dixon is the best number nine in the game. 46 victories, more than anyone but Foyt and Mario Andretti, and five national titles, more than anyone but Foyt, 15 consecutive winning seasons, 115 podiums, and over 300 starts at the dawn of his 20th season. The Iceman is IndyCar, simple as, And there's no inclination after finishing in the top four of the standings for the 14th time in his career that he's going to diminish. Two super-sweets join Dixon. On one side is the reigning IndyCar Rookie of the Year, Felix Rosenquist, who nearly nicked a win off of Dixon in his rookie year, and is poised to break through in a big way come 2020. On the other is Erickson, who gained a sponsor and a third full-time seat at Ganassi. He didn't enjoy the extraordinary rookie year highs of his compatriot, history has shown that some drivers have taken massive strides forward in year two and the five-year Formula One veteran hopes to be among them.
5: This is one thing that we're missing here with the uh, Chip Ganassi preview is that they have got a massive ace in the hole this year to help out Scott Dixon. Uh, Michael Cannon has joined the team. Michael Cannon has joined the team coming for, over from Dale Coyne Racing to be Dixon's race engineer. And, Chris Simmons, who was Dixon's engineer, has now been promoted to being, I think, director of engineering total for Chip Ganassi Racing. Michael Cannon is a very gifted engineer. He's worked with AJ Allmendinger. He worked last year with Ferrucci. Michael Cannon's almost like Dixon's ace in the hole to help him get even higher up the grid than he was in in 2019, which is why I'm going to predict that Dixon's going to win the championship this year.
1: That's never a bad. That's ever a bad prediction. Yeah, it's, in it's fairness, never I mean, a bad he's prediction. not defending a title, which always helps.
5: Actually, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think it, it's easy. Instead of just saying, "Oh, Dixon's going to win the championship," it's, that that's an easy thing to say. I think this is going to win at least four races because Michael Cannon is just that damn good. Um, he helped Ferrucci last year get two fourth place finishes at on the ovals in a Dale Coyne car, of all things. Um, when he worked with Almondinger at Team force at Forsyth, he had, that's what the year when Almondinger won three races in a row before he went to NASCAR. He also worked with uh, Carponnier and Greg Moore when he was with Forsyth way back when. He's worked with some very talented drivers. He knows his craft, and I would trust Michael Cannon as one of the best engineers on the paddock.
3: Now, do you, do you think Ganassi... Going back to a three-car lineup with Marcus Erickson, is it going to hurt the team as a whole or not?
5: No. Uh, I think Erickson will definitely help out with development. I think Rosenquist having his second year will be a lot more confident this year than he was last year. I mean, he did do well at St. Petersburg, but he, he, as the race went on, uh, you know, his, he kind of slipped a little bit. I think Rosenquist will, be, will give Dixon all he can handle this year. Um, I think this is actually a really good lineup for Ganassi. So, Dre, we've covered that Scott Nissen mm. is good, and now he has a brand
1: new engineer who, by the way, also another driver he worked with, Dario Franchitti, in his three straight titles at Ganassi. Um, Rosenquist looks solid. Erickson looks solid. Uh, Dre, what do you make of all this?
2: I think, look, I know... Like, everybody loves Dario Frank, E.T. Like, I've never heard a bad word said against Dario, ever. And he is a god in that Chip Ganassi lineup. They love him in that camp. They're, they can only predict good things with Dario in Dixon's corner. Like, I have no doubt about that. Um,
1: Should clarify, um, yeah, that's Dario's old engineer, Michael Cannon, who's now in yes. Dixon's corner.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, so yeah. So anything to come from that camp is probably going to be a net positive. And even if it isn't, it's Scott friggin' Dixon, okay? The man could drive a three-wheel car and probably put it in the top six. Uh, It's what he does. Um,
4: He said Scott Dixon, eternal. The man doesn't age.
2: No, he doesn't. He's still basically 25 and still like the number one pound-for-pound driver in the series, I'd argue. Dude, he just Um, won
1: a Rolex 24. Again! (laughs) Again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, pancakes on deck, everybody. Um, Oh, God. And, uh... Yeah, Felix... I don't think people are talking about Felix enough. I really think like this. This is a year where I think he could win at least one race. I'm like, he should have won at Mid Ohio last season. It it, it took a dogged defence from Dixon on the final lap to stop Rosenquist Give winning him the as a chop. rookie. Yeah, it was a couple of very hard chops, and he he basically won by the horse equivalent of a nose. Um, so yeah, it was an incredible like like Felix was was incredible the second half of last season because like around like Detroit sort of time we were having questions about Felix, and it was fair to ask those questions about Felix, and. He turned it up in the second half of the season. He was superb. Um, Making fast sixes, getting in the top five and six on a semi-regular basis. Again, like I said, should have won at mid-Ohio. Was very unlucky not to have won. If that race was one lap longer, it's probably a different
1: result. Um, This is why he was, hashtag, driver for hire. Because he could go fast in anything. And he's proven to do it well in IndyCar too. Yeah, I think that's the
4: thing, is him... We know he has the speed. We've known that he has the speed, but if he can harness that this year and really make it work throughout a race, he's going to be a threat for multiple race wins this year. Agreed.
2: If if he gets the ovals right, top six in the championship, mm. for me. like I would go that high up the board on him. Marcus Ericsson... Still not fully convinced on him in IndyCar. I mean, had a couple of flashes of moments in in the series last year with Schmidt-Peterson. I mean, he's in good hands in the chip camp. It might bring out a bit more of his potential in the series. Um, It is a bit of an elephant in the room compared to what they've normally got at chip, going to free cars. I mean, if you were going to go back up to free, I, I would like maybe a slightly more proven driver than Marcus Ericsson. But... It's under Chip's name, so I don't. How bad could it possibly be? And may, who knows? Maybe a second full season in IndyCar will do Marcus some good. He's in the, he's in the right camp for it, certainly. So there's, again, there's a lot to like here.
1: Yeah, I think back if Erickson wants to look towards examples of drivers who turned around the second half of the season, uh, their second season from their first, Dario Franchitti was one of them. Mm-hmm. Joseph Newgarden was another. Also, his car has the best hashtag of Chuckle 8. <laughs> I love it and I hate it.
2: I love it it's terrible. Anyway, I just wanted to put a quick small break in news tweet. According to Lewis Frank on Twitter, if Roger Penske apparently said in front of a live audience, he'd very much like to have Scott McLaughlin in the series full time. That is in that's, the last 20 minutes. I mean, that's not
3: surprising.
2: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, That's, just, that's
3: just, on the verge of not a news.
0: Yeah, <laughs> shut up, King.
2: <laughs> but uh, look, there's still a lot to like here. We all know Dixon is still the juggernaut. Um, you know, it's still a hell of a lot to like about that team. And Felix is going to be one of those guys that should be one to watch overall this season, certainly.
4: There's, there's a reason um, why uh, on this season preview list, we have stars for championships and Dixon's list is long. Five.
2: Five. And and then a 500 to boot, um, a lot to like there, a lot to like indeed. Now, the other trio with the holy trinity, Andretti also sports with a five-driver lineup this year, and a sixth wild card we'll get to briefly. But in uh, the number 27, Indy 500 winner Alexander Rossi, number 28, former champion and 500 winner Ryan hunter Ray. New edition, number 88 into the official outfit, Colton Herter is back, everybody. Infinity Gauntlet not included. Uh, Number 98, Marco Andretti is back, as was number 26, Zach Veach, and a wild card for three races at least in 2020 in the 29 car. Good boy! the, The mayor, James Hinchcliffe, is back, ladies and gentlemen. Hooray! In some races, Andretti Autosport might field a quarter of the grid. Even the high volume hasn't diluted their potential. All five of the full-time drivers at Andretti Autosport and their various partners are Americans, young to old. Alexander Rossi is slotted into the role of number one driver at Andretti. Fearless, brazen and confident. Ryan Hunter-Rei, wise of experience, isn't entirely content to fade into the sunset. Marco Andretti still trying to make good on his family legacy and snap the Andretti curse at the 500. Zach Veach, younger still, and trying to break out of anonymity. And then you add 19-year-old sophomore sensation Colton Herta, driving with the poise of a champion already. All five drivers are in various stages of their careers, and all five of them have something to prove to the world in 2020. For Rossi, it's mainly about closing the deal on his first championship after two close calls in 2018 and 19. For Herta, it's a matter of building on his rookie season and victories in Austin and Laguna Seca. For Hunter Ray and Andretti, they just want to be able to still perform at a high level, and Veach is trying to prove he's not a bust. Then add James Hinchcliffe to the mix after a turbulent off-season. The People's Champion of Canada will be, will be glad to be back to Andretti for the first time since 2014, and IndyCar fans will be glad to see him race, even if only part-time, for now.
3: The, um, the Armada has arrived. Five
2: Americans and a Canadian. Oh boy. It's an onslaught of home of home nation pride at Andretti here and you'd well think,
4: you'd think Andretti Autosport would actually have bought the uh they would have bought the series with how many cars are entering for some races.
2: as 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 RJ alluded to in his preview, in some cases they will have a quarter of the full time grid.
1: Yeah. If you also want to include their technical partners at Meijershank Racing, who we'll talk about later.
2: Yeah, there's seven There's seven cars under their umbrella M- in some M- races.
4: Michael Andre said, more. Bring me more.
2: Like, and it, let, let's start from the top here. Alex Rossi. Is this going to be third time the charm for him for the overall national title now? Because this, this one has eluded him a couple of times now, and he's been very close the last two seasons, but pipped to the post. Um, very narrowly, um, on two separate occasions. Is this the year Rossi finally puts it all together?
3: Oh, like, generally, I believe that Rossi can win the title, but it's largely down to his team on whether the other drivers in the Andretti stable can put up enough fight against the Penske's to throw wrenches into their plans, that Andretti could seriously find quality out of quantity.
1: You know, Alexander Rossi once took part in a reality show just so he could get Connor Daly out of his house, and they lost, but Mm. Connor still moved out of his house, so I guess it's a win. Thanks, Zoe.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose that's been the thing with Alexander Rossi, is that he has never quite put together the full season.
2: Which is amazing, given he might be the best all-rounder in the series now. He has no real weakness in his game. He's just strong everywhere now. But the
4: problem is, no matter how strong he gets, he's
1: always second place behind a Penske car. And it always seems like there is always one... The one time he has a bad race or two bad races, it's always at an inopportune time, and it ends up it ends up costing him at the end. You think back to two seasons ago, where just as NBC was cutting back from NASCAR, Alexander Rossi has his has his nose caved in.
4: yeah. And last year, you know, Rossi had a couple opportunities when New Garden floundered, and he didn't he didn't make the best of them. I think back to, uh, what was it, Iowa, when Newgarden got caught up with Ferrucci in the last couple of laps, and Rossi was so far behind that he didn't
5: gain anything. That was Gateway, I think. Oh, it was Gateway. Gateway. Yeah, Newgarden won at uh, Iowa. but yes. Really, what was Rossi, though, Is that the two worst races that he had was kind of stuff that was almost out of his control. You look at the Indy Grand Prix, Pato Patricio award uh, hits him in the back as they're coming to the start. And he tags the wall and breaks a part of the suspension, which causes them to stay in the pits for about four laps. Then you go to get uh, Pocono and he's part of the lap one incident between him, Hunter Ray, Sato Rosenquist. And I think it was Hinchcliffe. That was the other car involved, I think, but it's just like, yes. it's just like, the worst luck possible happens to Rossi, and he would have been my pick for the championship this year until, like I said earlier, Michael Cannon went over to, to engineer Scott Dixon, but pound for pound, Alexander Rossi is still the most entertaining driver to watch in North America. Yes, last year, New Garden was better than he was, but if I had to pick one driver in the IndyCar series that I would pay money to see, it's Rossi. His peaks are so damn high. When he's
1: on his game, he's the best driver in the series. That's
3: that's that's why I bring up the team argument. Because they're there to they're there to cushion your falls on your bad days. Like anytime, like despite Joseph winning the championship, Simon Pajno was second. So anytime Joseph didn't do well, Pajno was at a very good chance of winning the race, you know which hindered anyone else outside of Penske from winning the game? Well, and that was it as well
4: at the 500 where, you know, Newgarden didn't have, he didn't have the car. He didn't have the pace to win. And Rossi threw everything at Pagino to try and win the 500 and Pagino threw it right back. And of course the double points now. of the 500 are worth, you know, it's double points. <laughs> yep. You can't understate that.
2: I was going to say, like, I was going to say I completely, 150% agree with King. He needs help. He he reminds me a bit of the of Dixon's situation where he, for the last two or three years, hasn't had a viable rear gunner. Like, Tony Khan was probably, you know, a couple of years past his prime by the time Dixon was back in title contention in recent years, and Dixon's had to do it all alone, and that's probably been more of a hindrance than a help the last couple of years
3: where like most of Dixon's title wins comes from just not having bad days cause he can't like having a bad day in a two car team is pretty much unacceptable
1: that's why I'm really excited that they have Colton Herta now racing under Andretti Harding Steinbrenner Autosport he's, real, he's the youngest race winner the youngest pole sitter but he still can't drink and is really just here to make you feel old as fuck
2: <laughs> yeah pretty much
1: he Paid is uh, two thousand. Uh, <sighs> Colton Hurd already drives like a champion. I know it's recency bias because the last uh, time we saw him was him bending the field over his knee and spanking them at Laguna Seca. But even, even damn. So look at
4: look at the year he had last year, and he got he got, you know, retired out of the 500 through no fault of his own. His car failed, and he was the fastest car. He was
2: consistently in the top five all the way through Indy 500. All, yeah. all through the week of the the 500 itself, he was probably. He, he had a top Honda. five car at work. Yeah, he had a top five car underneath him, no doubt about it. He would have had a complete season if it were, if he had a good five hundred underneath him. And he was he was the first retirement, and he was that was super unlucky on his part um, because Herter is an outrageous talent. Like Jesus Christ, like with a full with full Andretti back in, look out. Like, like you yeah. should, should be aiming for top six in the championship because if he, if he has it dialed in. He wins, like that's like there's not many that's people you can say that about in this series, and this is a, this is one of the most talented IndyCar fields top the bottom we've ever seen. There are eight or nine dudes who, on their day, can win races comfortably at a, I, at I, a canter. You know, anyone in a Penske, Rossi, Hunter, Ray. I think, in terms Ravel, of sheer
4: talent, he's the most talented rookie to come into the sport since Rossi.
2: That's fair. That's completely fair. And then, and then that's the thing. Like th- that's the scariest thing. Ryan Hunter Ray might be the third most talented man in this team. Hmm.
1: He's won a championship. He's won an Indianapolis 500. According to these notes from our friend Zoe, he thinks the best way to fish is underwater and with a fucking spear and owns a boat so he can go out and fish with a fucking spear. <laughs> so just from that revelation alone, I think Ryan Hunter Ray, who had a couple of podiums, but didn't win a race, um, will have a resurgence in 2020. He needs
5: one.
2: He does, because I'm starting to get the impression that, like, oh, are we seeing the twilight of Ryan Hunter Ray's career here?
5: I think so, um, and I hate to say that, because he, uh, he's kind of like the guy that you don't expect to see him at the forefront, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, he there he is. He's right there. He's he's going to do well here. Uh, that's the way I kind of felt about him at uh, Detroit last year, or not last year, in mm. 2018, uh, when it's like, you know, That race, you'd expect Rossi to be the top gun, but it's like, oh, wow, Hunter Ray is still here. Um, It's it's
4: a little bit like how I felt about uh, Kevin Harvick when he was running at uh, Richard Childress in NASCAR, Mm. where he'd be nowhere, and then out of nowhere, you know, he would show up and steal a win right from under someone's nose.
2: Pretty much. Pretty much. Like I said, that's still kind of crazy. Uh, that's even a thing in the festival, we we're talking about Hunter Razor as, like, the middle-of-the-road guy in this team when it comes to Upside. Also, on the other end of the scale, Marco Andretti's gone back to school.
4: Literally.
1: He's gone back to racing school. Oh, uh, Jesus. Great. Uh... Okay. Anything that would help. Um, he did a Gillette no. ad before he could shave. It was as dumb as it sounds. <laughs>
2: I love these random facts that Zoe plucked out. She's the best. Um, yeah. What, what can we say about Marco? Like, It's hard to talk about Marco in the context of this sport because we all know he, he, he partly owns his seat, so it's not going to move anytime soon. And, well, we know he's better than what he's produced in the last few years. And, like, it's I don't know, man. It's, I don't know. It's... it's- yeah, it's all on
1: this point. Yeah, you always anticipate him to do well at the Indianapolis 500. If he does nothing else, and even he didn't have that luck last year. Yeah, the last so,
4: two years he's had abysmal runs at the 500.
1: Like he got, he probably got screwed out of a better finish at Detroit.
5: Oh, uh, definitely. And, yeah,
1: he was. There's no doubt about that. There's, there's still
2: moments there where you, where you look at Marco and you think, yeah still has something to give, and then there's other times we just go, ah, crap.
1: And you could also say the same for Zach Veach, which is terrifying mm. because he's only 25 years old and at risk of going the way of a number of other prospects who had so much potential and didn't make it. Did you know he's also a self-published author? Really? I did, actually. I did not notice. This
3: is the last year of Veach's long-term contract at Andretti.
4: Veach needs to show something. Because he's a big year. he has been the definition of mediocre in that team the whole time he's been there, while Rossi's been fighting for wins. He's just been fighting. He's just, he's just been fighting. Couldn't have said it better yeah. myself.
2: And Mostly you know his car has largely been on fire. And
4: yes, for look, some
1: reason his car likes to catch on fire. See, unlike Ryan hunter Ray, Zach Veach does not forget to bring the heat. <laughs> and and, and the is, <laughs> <laughs> so fuck sake i <laughs> think is despite andretti
3: having a five-car lineup there are people waiting in the wings to get one of those full-time seats whether it's james hinchcliffe or kyle kirkwood and in indy lights
5: which we're gonna i think we're gonna talk about soon
3: king kyle kirkwood i was gonna
2: say it's like that little wave we had of young talent coming into the sport Like it's like Zach Veach is the poster boy for that wave and a lot of them are under pressure. I'm sure we'll get to to Spencer Piggott shortly but uh, like there's a lot of guys in that wave that are struggling and are probably on the brink and Veach is probably one of them who probably needs maybe a top 10 level sort of season in 2020 to justify his continued spot on the grid because as everybody else has mentioned the road to Indy is very bright at the moment and uh Kirkwood probably the brightest of those talents and potentially
1: probably.
4: something. Man is ridiculous.
2: <laughs> yeah. So if if that's anything to go on, you know there is another potential super prospect in the wings, ready to go. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on each to, to, to deliver. Briefly, before we move on as well, James Hinchcliffe is back. Hooray! Yes.
1: <laughs> he's gonna get. Right. Go, he's got sponsors to do three races. They might add more. Um, he also sat in a dog washing machine once to prove it was safe. Uh, yes. And he will be in the booth commentating races for NBC when he is. Well, it's not, not clear
3: driving. if he'll be in the booth, but he'll be on the broadcast team. Uh, I want James Hinchcliffe,
2: the Roman reporter. I stand by this. I,
4: I stand by this as well. Um, that's that's a huge opportunity for Hinchcliffe at the 500. Oh my goodness.
1: Also, I think it's. I think we're just glad that both members of Off Track are within the same, uh, same uh, family. Are on track. <laughs> on track.
2: On track and off track with Inch and Rossi.
1: If nothing else, he has a team that has proven that they're always good at the five hundred. So James doesn't really have to sweat a last row shootout this time out if all things go to plan.
2: Please, dear God, I can't take another one of these.
1: Yeah. Um. 2011
4: aside, Andretti goes pretty well at the 500. I don't think We you're don't talk have to worry. about 2011. We don't talk about 2011 with Andretti Autosport. Oh dear. They um they usually go well at the 500. They're effectively the Honda factory team.
5: I think you know you thought uh, not to talk about 2011, but I had to at least say this much. I was there for Bump Day that year. It was probably one of the most entertaining Bump Days I've ever seen in person. <laughs> Silence. Yeah,
1: <laughs> entertaining for could, uh, spectators, sure. Entertaining for Michael Andretti, who had to see two of his full-time drivers bumped and two of the other two almost. Nope. Could be worse. Could be
4: 1995.
5: I did see people in the stands actually do a rain dance, hoping Danica was not going to make the field that year.
0: God. Wow. <laughs> I'm leaving that
2: one there. I'm not going there. You hate
0: to
1: see it. <laughs> eh, debatable. Anyway, bombshell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell, should we take a break and uh, come into our next batch of teams shortly?
2: Yes, sir. Well, after the break, The Pretenders. <laughs> yep, it's The Pretenders, everybody. And first up on that list is... Harrow McLaren SP team, Smith-Peterson itself, and a whole new lineup for 2020, which has totally not been talked about at all lately. In the number five car, Patricio Award with a brand new team, and in the number seven car, the rookie Oliver Askew, with Fernando Alonso making his return to the Indy 500 as a wild card in the 66 car um, in the month of May. Uh, a radical overhaul of the former Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports has created, Harrow McLaren SP, a collaboration between Sam Schmidt and Rick Peterson and McLaren, who've built Indianapolis 500 winning cars once upon a time in their history. It wasn't without controversy for sure, not after McLaren's 2019 Indy 500 debacle, not after the ousting of veteran James Hinchcliffe. For the full season, SPAM have learned have leaned into the youngest two-car lineup on the grid. Patricio Award is thankful for certainty after a tumultuous 2019 season spent bouncing all over the world. He's back in a familiar IndyCar paddock where every observer worth their salt knows that the 20-year-old Mexican driver has seemingly endless potential. Swedish-American rookie Oliver Askew arrives as the reigning Indy Lights champion, giving SPAM the last two champions of IndyCar's top developmental series. Askew climbed all three rungs of the road to Indy in just three years, and won seven races. But how will the 23-year-old Florida resident fare in his first full season with a top team? While the full-time faces of Aaron McLaren SP are young, a more familiar face is joining them for the Indy 500. As Fernando Alonso roams the racing wilderness, he finds himself back with McLaren, hoping to atone for last year's time trial disaster.
5: For anyone not knowing who Oliver Askew is, he's extremely smart. Do not sleep on this dude. Um, I've covered him since he started on the road to Indy back in 2017. He is really, really, really good. Do not sleep on this kid. Uh, I promise you all. Uh, he's If he does what he's done on the road to Indy, he's going to be a star in this in this team. So don't sleep on him. And with Patricio Award finally having his first stable ride since he won the Indy Lights Championship in 2018, I think he's going to be very good as well. But when you have two young drivers like that with a lot of inexperience on the team, it may lead to some... Harsh learning curves, putting it mildly, but I expect good things out of both drivers this year. Definitely, the talent is there. I think some of us just kind
1: of wonder where do we start with Aaron McLaren SP? Where do we start with SPAM? Lovely SPAM, wonderful SPAM. It's, wonderful it's spam.
3: hard to unpack it. Where it's like this team it's, is it's so new
4: of- that we can't really go by. But they're not really
3: new. but they're yeah, not, they're really, not kn- really new. They're new,
4: but they're not new. Where yeah, it's, it's, long- it's it's built out of two. Well, we say two, one and a yeah. half existing
1: teams. <laughs> yeah, but, because McLaren doesn't actually own the team; they're just letting them use their name.
4: But they're also introducing their own engineers into the equation,
1: and a lot of the staff there is new. They have a two-time national champion and Jill DeFerrin helping to run the team. But that's that's the weird
3: part. You're saying that they don't own the team, but like Jill Farron and Zach Brown clearly have a lot of influence over yeah. the team's decisions. Yeah,
4: that's kinda of...
3: They run things.
4: Yeah, they run things. They don't own it, but they run it. It's weird.
3: Uh this whole team and like... this this whole team is weird. And it's like that on top of the all black team kit doesn't give like hey, we're very likable <laughs> it doesn't give it doesn't give off a likable impression was
4: what was the quote we were watching them and testing King we're just like you know un- until they got on the track, we were fine, but now that we see him on track, fuck fuck'em
3: yeah where <laughs> my my general impression where it's like kind of the the Indy 500 debacle at McLaren last year, it was kind of a very funny, unfortunate anecdote, but it didn't really it didn't really sink in. Neither did Hinchcliffe not remaining at Smith Peterson either. But when that car rolled out in track in a new livery without James Hinchcliffe, it all just hit me at once and it just it left a bad
1: taste in my mouth. Yeah. Let, 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 Hinch, let,
4: Hinch, let, you have a contract. We didn't say it was to drive.
1: That's like, the thing because oh I think that there are not two more likable young drivers than Patricio Ward and Oliver Askew yeah, that are being thrust into this spot of being the guys replacing the very likable James Hinchcliffe who was ousted through no fault of his own.
3: But like it, it's it's weird. I don't want like the drivers did nothing wrong. It's not their fault. But again, their successes Are the team's successes
4: Yeah, no ill will Towards uh, Patricio or Oliver Whatsoever
3: like, Yeah, they've actually done
2: a very good job on social media Of coming across as likable young drivers But like King, what King experience And by the way, I've not seen King that angry On a Discord or on Twitter Since a certain guest host walked off our show Halfway through a taping um, <laughs> Ooh! It it, it, it it takes a lot to piss off King. Like he he's got a much more patient threshold than I do. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're keeping that in. Uh, but uh, but uh, what I was gonna say is that when when like I saw them on like when it happened, it was like when Hinchcliffe got dropped. It's like a part of the team's soul went with it because that was a big deal. Hinchcliffe walked away from a really solid Andretti seat where he was winning races, may I add, to try and take schmidt Peterson up the ladder and try to be the you know the focal point of of them trying to get to the, to big the big three status. That and obviously you know Robert Wickens and obviously the heartbreak of his story alongside that. It feels like an empty husk, and uh, McLarens has always been. A bit stuffy and corporate As a brand to begin with Only really in the last year and a half or so they become the new likeable Papaya Boys And only really on that one side as well Yeah, that's Carlos Sainz And the Milkman Only really in the last 18 months has that really been a thing Before that, let's not forget this was the corporation
1: Yeah, And, and that's the other thing too I see them leaning into this youth movement of Volward and Askew, just as I did when they went with Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. They swept the decks, they changed out everything. You know, Not, not to be the guy playing devil's advocate, but you, in the sense you almost get the feeling like you know, they were looking for a way to move on and try and re-energize the team, because maybe they didn't feel like James Hinchcliffe was going to ever be championship material. To which I would retort, well, yeah, he may not be championship material, but he's still very good half as part of the team. Even with but, that. But
3: then again, circling back to who has control here, where, you know, Zach Brown publicly said, hey, Hinch, you have your seat for next year. Then he doesn't. Like what? No,
4: no it's not when, that he had a seat, it's that he had a contract.
3: But McLaren's yeah, but contract he had, he, with him he, wasn't to race. Again, no one made that clear. What happens when this team hits their first bump in the road in the season?
2: That's the thing. They've gone all in on youth. If the youth doesn't, well, say, doesn't work out, they're not gonna be they're not gonna be popular if they end up letting a ward go. Cause they will do that.
4: The thing is, and they also said, We're all in on youth. Um their wild card isn't exactly Fernando a, Alonso. Fernando Alonso. Again.
2: The media circus, round three. Yeah, and who
4: only only went to this team, regardless of everything else he's he's saying, because he's trying to do damage control. The only reason he's running with McLaren is because he tried to get to the Andretti seat that Hinchcliffe is occupying, and Honda told him in no uncertain terms
1: to go fuck himself. Kamoa virus. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
3: honestly... If I was in their shoes and we had a one-off opportunity at Indianapolis, I'd put someone with the best chance of winning the race. Alonzo might be that person, but there are other drivers who, without race seats who might even be better at the 500 than Alonzo.
4: Yeah, but think of all the media exposure of the Triple Crown, which
1: we all apparently care about now.
2: We're talking about one of the two owners of this team literally saying that the series needs him to compete at this race.
1: Because they were angling to sign him on the dotted line. Of course they were. Which
4: he then turned down, got turned down for the Andretti seat, and had to come crawling back.
1: But hey, it's
2: Fernando Alonso. They'll happily take him, because that's their best shot, apparently.
3: Sorry, Carlos Munoz. Is this what Stockholm Syndrome is? And yes, I was making a reference to Carlos Munoz who, you know, filled in for Robert Wickens when he was hurt and, you know, solid. did okay. yeah, And finished runner-up at the 500.
2: How is <laughs> Carlos Munoz out of a seat? I do not understand this series.
4: <laughs> He's so good. When in reality the 500 is all that matters, it is a crime that Munoz is not in a seat.
0: Yeah. Oh. Which is
2: insane. <laughs> insane. The man's been a top three finisher on multiple occasions. How the hell is he not a
3: runner up twice? (laughs) Runner up twice, (laughs) twice.
4: and one of them he was in position to win, and then you know, of course, Alexander Rossi pulled the fuel mileage blinder.
3: Munoz should have,
2: by all accounts, Munoz should have won that 500. Oh boy, it is, it's, it's, it's a messy one. This team. They've not exactly uh, kept their f- their bridges of goodwill alight. They're, they're like they're, they're still smoldering. There's a lot of pissed off people. There's a lot of cynical people around this team, and there's a lot of you know negativity around it. I'm sure the performances of their drivers will turn that around that they perform well and quickly, which they have every chance of doing. Because as mentioned, Askew and O'Ward are an incredibly talented pair of young drivers. This is clearly a rebrand for the team. With McLaren, it's 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 a soft reboot by all by all accounts. Just with old software, like Fernando doing the five hundred, but it's a reboot nonetheless. And where they go from here is going to be very interesting indeed. But it could be one of the stories of twenty twenty easily. If if, if yeah. I may,
5: um, I wanted oh. to talk about ask you here real quick. A lot of drivers have like five or six years in racing in cars before they get to IndyCar in the first place. Uh, Askew's first ever street race was in the first USF 2000 race he did in 2017 where he finished in second place. The next race he did the next day, he won, um... At that point in his career, he had done, like, a Skip Barber weekend at Road America, two Formula Audi races in China, and then he did the Formula Ford Festival at the uh, Brandt Hatch and the Wattrace Trophy race in Silverstone. That was all the car racing experience that he had before he did the first USF 2000 race at St. Petersburg. This dude is, has only raced cars full-time for three years, and now he's on the biggest stage in racing. Well, we have some drivers on the road to Indy that have been there since 2015, 2014, that are still trying to get to Indy Lights. He's a quick learner. Very quick. Very quick.
1: Enough of the uncertainty. Let's get to some stability, Dre.
2: Rahul, Letterman, Lanigan, Racing. Yep, and they're back for another year with the same lineup, mostly. Number 15, Graham Rahul is back once again. And number 30, Takuma Sato, of course, a former 500 winner himself. And wildcarding and returning for the 500, Spencer Piggott in the 15 plus 30 car. 45. Maths. You'd love to see it. Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing have consistently been the one team to take the fight to the big three over the last five years better than anyone. They've maintained their faith in a veteran lineup led by family legacy Graham Hall and Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato not now. Tosato turned 43 in January and has peaked at a time where other drivers are over the cliff, evident in his first two-win season in 2019. It's a fair argument to make that he's outperforming Rahul in the Rahul family's own team. Even if 2020 proves to be the year he can no longer sustain his incredible rejuvenation, he is still forever a trailblazer for motorsport in Japan. Ray Hall just turned 31 and has already racked up 13 seasons of IndyCar experience. He still has the, c- the consistency that made him a title contender in 15 and 16, but is now in the longest winless drought since before his 2015 resurgence. The big fella wants to get back to that championship form and succeed where his father did in 1992. A partnership with the new Citroen Bull Racing team gives RL a third car for the 500 and Spencer Piggott a landing spot after busting out a head carpenter racing. Stability, guys. Strong and stable. (laughs) Strong and stable indeed. Rahul and and Sato back. And... There's, there's not an awful lot to really say with this team, really,
3: is it? I mean, like It's more of the same. It was a lot of talk of maybes over the offseason. Maybe they'll run a full-time third car. Yeah. Maybe we'll do we something else. We forgot all about decided. that. Mm. Yeah. And they decided, hey, we're just going to stick with the two cars we got and, you know, well, ended see up, how this plays out. It ended
4: up being a question of sponsorship because uh, it looked like Hinch was going to get the third seat there, potentially full-time, but he just didn't have the sponsorship to do it. I think it's. Indeed. I think more of the same. I think a couple wins here and there.
3: I think it's important to note of the seventeen races last year, only four races were won by cars not run by the big three teams. Colton Herta's two wins, and the two wins from Takuma Sato. And t-
4: Colton Herta was driving an Andretti car, so. <sighs>
3: It makes Sato's accomplishments even more impressive. And don't forget, yeah.
5: one of Sato's wins was just after the whole Pocono situation.
0: Yeah.
1: There was oh, that, that wasn't
2: talked about at all on this show. Not at
5: um, all.
1: Right, there was that, and then his almost wire-to-wire win at Barber. Yeah, where he just Again, beat the field down. He's putting together the best performances of his career in his early 40s. This is almost unheard of in open-wheel racing in general, where you're supposed to be either decrepit or gone from the sport by the time you hit your late 30s.
4: Yeah, like what we say about Scott Dixon, where he seems to be just endless. Takuma's actively getting better as time goes on.
2: Yeah, you're normally cooked by age 43, but like Sato is still here and still one of the better performers in the series.
5: He nearly had a shot at winning the 500 this past year. He finished third. forget, he finished third and...
4: We forgot about that. He he, he had a front row seat to the uh, the the bar fight between Rossi and Pagano for the win.
2: You could you could still catch some of the glass when Pagano put the final bottle over Rossi's head on was a lap and a half to go in that race. <laughs> oh,
5: you love it to see great. it. This for me, this is IndyCar's odd couple. You think about it: Graham Rahal is the tallest driver, Sato's the shortest driver, and yet both are still competitive as all hell.
2: Indeed. They are still competitive. I mean, Rahul's the one with more of a question mark, but obviously, given the context of the team here who's running said team, there's no real state of risk or stakes are all involved in Rahul's seat. He's just some, somewhat there at this point. We know, he's, you know Bobby's not going to move along his own son. Um, and Graham, it, it's frustrating to watch him because... That 2015 16 run where he was the top <coughs> one in the series, very nearly won the championship in 2015, probably should have done it if he wasn't taken out by Tristan Vautier with a round to go in 2015, where he, where he was running well in that race. Like, it, Ray, Holt's we know what he can do. Golden, absolutely. The man can, if the car is good and the consistency is there, he can win a championship.
1: And the easily. consistency is always there. It's just he needs to start turning some of those podiums, top fives into victories. <laughs> if he can take if he can take
4: his peaks a little bit higher, he has the consistency to support a championship run.
1: Absolutely. I'm just thinking about the image of Graham Ray Hall carrying Takuma Sato on his shoulders at all times. It's great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Should we talk about Spencer Pigot briefly as well, real quick?
1: I think so. This is a this is actually a new partnership of former IndyCar driver Robbie Buell and businessman Robert Citrone, who have started their own team and partnered with RLL to form this third car for Piggott, who has raced for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan at the 500 before. I think it'll give him a fresh start. I don't know what to expect, It's disappointing that we no longer see Spencer Piggott as, like, a star of the future. I can still recall watching him in Indy Lights, uh, back when it looked like he was going to be the next Joseph Newgarden. And I'm hoping for the best out of this.
4: I think depending on, uh, depending on how a season goes, we could just call him a star, period.
2: We are talking about a guy that's 26, though, and kind of on the precipice again. We mentioned it earlier on, like... Piggott got dumped out of Ed Carpenter for a reason, and we'll get to that reason briefly in, in a minute, but uh, I'm not sure about Piggott at this point, and like, again, he's another guy that has flashes of excellence, he really like, I remember it, at Toronto like last year, he was excellent up there for, for, for long periods of time, and you see something with Spencer Piggott, and then the next thing you know, it's just like oh, we just finished in, in like 19th and it's just, it's just, it's just not there, and That's the frustrating thing about watching him. He's another guy that hasn't been consistent enough for me. And that's frustrating. But hey, maybe a new team will do him some good. And hopefully it does because he's a very talented kid and he's got more talent than I think 14th in the championship suggests. He had a couple of top fives last year. I hope he can cash in on more of those opportunities this coming season.
5: The winningest driver on the road to Indy, by the way, 24 wins, which that record might fall this year.
1: That. Yeah, that's very, very true. And if nothing else, Dre, you and him can have a good long chat about Manchester United football.
2: Always, always always a positive. <laughs> always a positive. You love to see it. Because I'm pretty sure one of his parents is English, which helps. So yeah, we're claiming him at this point, basically. That's what we Brits do. We claim anything with like one more than 1-8 family path or something like that. It's great. Ed Carpenter Racing. Now, this is an interesting setup. Number 20. Uncle Ed, our oval son. Um, is in number 20 car. He's splitting that 20 car. Obviously, Ed will do the ovals, but on the road and street courses, Connor Daly is back, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! Yes! Connor.
1: American Ninja Warrior sensation, Connor Daly is here!
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, the duplex down on Georgetown
3: Street now has a new occupant.
2: Yes, the duplex indeed. Connor Daly in the 20 car, and in the 21 car... Making his debut to the series, Renus VK in the 21 car. Exciting times indeed. Don't forget, they will also run a third car at the Indy 500 for Connor Daly as well. So don't think Daly's missing out on the big one, because he is not. He'll be there in a third car. Um, So yeah, look look forward to that. Life after Joseph Newgarden has been troublesome for Ed Carpenter Racing. who are now winless in the last three years of racing. But not have had a few really close calls. The lineup for Indy will consist of owner slash driver Ed Carpenter, young journeyman Connor Daly, and Dutch rookie Renus van Kalfoot. But you just call him Renus VK for short. With Carpenter and Daly, the Indiana born drivers, divided in the 20 car in 2020, Carpenter continues to chase his elusive dream of Indy 500 victory. While Daly, now 28, God, I feel old, and having run through the gauntlet of professional hardship, finds himself back in full-time competition and eager to seize this second chance. 19-year-old V.K. has won junior Formula titles in America and Asia, climbing the entire road to Indy ladder in just three years and winning six races in Indy Lights as Askew's antagonist. In the years after Newgarden's departure, ECR hasn't always had the best luck with young prospects, but the feeling is that will change with the newest Dutch teenage sensation in racing. And that just about sums it up, doesn't it, guys? I mean, it's it's going to be all eyes on Renus, I think, here,
0: right?
5: Yeah, Renus uh, and all, I. I know I mentioned we talked about Oliver earlier, but Renus was pretty much his main antagonist throughout the Road to Indy. The two ran forty-eight races together. Renus won sixteen races. Oliver won fifteen. Um, Oliver winning two yeah. championships. to Renus is wow. one. Um, Renus, in my opinion, may have the better pe- like speed on over a single lap, but I think Askew has the edge in terms of building up a stint. But I think this will be great for Ed Carpenter. I think it'll be the one the first time that they've had. I would I would say a true young charger. No disrespect to Spencer Piggott, but when you look at Renus's drive through the Rodini compared to Spencer's, it took Spencer five years to get to the point where Renus took only three. And Renus has I think a lot more extra experience than Spencer did when you look at. He also ran in, what was it, F3 Asia? Yes. And, you'll and remember
1: t- the year where, uh, where Dan Tickton became Dan Trantrum? Yep. That was oh. Renus BK's title year. Oh, yeah. I
5: was going to say Dan Tickton was launched at the Shadow Realm thanks to Renus. Pretty much. But yeah, you also have the most popular, you know, driver signing. In my opinion, with Connor Daly getting the seat at the 20 car for the Road to Street courses and the Indianapolis 500 as well, and the number we don't know what number yet for Ed Carpenter Racing. That's going to be great for him to see. And if you think about this too, uh, now Connor's driven for two of the fastest teams at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway over the last few years with Andretti Autosport last year and now this year with Ed Carpenter Racing.
1: That's another key point. I think back to the year that Rossi and Daly came in full-time together. Rossi was with Andretti. Daly was with Dale Coyne. And you can make a fair argument that Daly, on the whole, had a better rookie year than Rossi, but Rossi won the 500. And their careers since coming over have diverged so greatly. Rossi is a perennial tighter contender. Daly is having to fight and scratch and claw just to get any races. This was kind of a godsend for him because he did so well when he was driving part time for Andretti and Carlin. Indeed,
5: even looking it's... back further than 2016, if I may, Dre. Uh, in 2011, no. bo- I think it was 2011. Um, I don't know. I think it was 20- 2008. Both Daly and Newgarden both went to team U- to the UK for this part of the Team USA scholarship program with Jeremy Shaw. And I think, if I remember mm. right, Connor Daly actually won the uh, Walter Hayes Trophy race at Silverstone that year. I think it was that, and I think didn't Newgarden win the uh, Formula Ford Festival that year? Either way, I think
0: he did. Yeah.
5: Either way, you look at how their paths have diverged. Newgarden went to Europe, so did, Daily went to America. Then Amer- Daily went to Europe. Newgarden went back to America, and now, you know, Newgarden's got two championships, and Kind of Daily is trying to figure out, you know, what's what's next here.
2: It is kind of scary how they how they diverged like that. And Daily, look, if there's one big plus for Daly here. He's in the team that might give him the best chance of winning the 500. Ed yep. Carpenter has been lightning um, at Indianapolis for the last two or three years now. It is a
1: big deal. qualified. Uh, um, qualified
4: second last year, if I recall correctly.
1: How many pole positions does he have? Again, I liken Enough. him to a contemporary. Uh, I liken him to a contemporary three. Gary Gary three. Battenhausen. Gary was always a driver who had the speed to win the Indianapolis 500 but could never quite close the deal. I'm thinking that Carpenter wants to ensure that he does not end up going down that same path. Right. It's amazing then, that he's been there as long.
2: Yes, it, it is indeed, and with Renus VK in the 21 car, there's a, lot, there's a lot to be excited about. I hope Carpenter doesn't strike out on another really talented young prospect because... Yeah. As you said, life after New Garden has certainly been tricky, to say the least. And this could be the stability they need. You know? So yeah. here's hoping.
1: You I'd know, love to see be... them back in a victory lane.
2: Indeed. This should be a popular team next. Dale Coin Racing, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Should, uh, should, 18, I, should I do the
4: honors for this one?
2: Go, go on, Cam. You can have it.
4: Dale Coin Racing, number 18, Santino Ferrucci.
2: Yay! Yikes. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> Number
4: 55, in a phenomenal livery, Alex Palou.
1: Yay!
4: Yay. Yes. Dale Coin Racing has had to take risks to stay in the game for nearly 40 years. It's been part of the reason why they have IndyCar's most divisive driver on one side of the garage and an unknown commodity to American viewers on the other side. Santino Ferrucci is unapologetic to a fault. Understatement of the fucking year there. He drove, <laughs> he drove beyond the limit to rack up seven top 10s last season, including four top fives on ovals. After those years chasing the F1 dream in Europe, Ferrucci seems like he's really at home on the American super speedways. The only question, driving-wise, is whether he can hone his aggression and make a step forward in 2020. Meanwhile, Alex Peilu comes to America after one of the most impressive rookie campaigns in the Super Formula Championship of Japan. Twenty two year old will look to follow the leads of Rossi, Wickens, and Rosenquist and go from outsiders to rookie of the year winners. And give the fans in Spain another compatriot to cheer for alongside his childhood hero, Fernando Alonso.
2: This is gonna be an interesting scene. This could oh. be what this could be like the interesting most of, them, of all the pretenders in this section. Because even more than spam. You, even more than spam because span. say what you will about Santino the person his talent was undeniable last On season yeah. Uh, but on ovals, certainly. On the road and street tracks, not so much, but certainly on the ovals. The super speedways in particular, he was outstanding. He had a real knack of getting himself out of trouble by just mel- welding his goddamn foot to the floor. I in, racing uh, tactics.
5: The, the, biggest, <laughs> the biggest problem, though, they're going to have this year is that Ferrucci doesn't have Michael Cannon engineer him this year, and he moved to the 18 car, which is engineered by Craig Hampson, but... Oh, wait. Craig Hampson moved to Aaron McLaren SP where he's going to engineer Fernando Alonso this year in the 500. So they're going to have two <sighs> brand new engineers this year at Dale Coyne Racing as well as two drivers that are in completely different roles. So Ferrucci has to be the veteran in the team and kind of lead – is it Palau or Pillow?
1: Alex Paylou.
5: Paylou. Okay, Paylou. Note to self, pelu He's going to have to lead... Or I could just call him Alex. He's going to have to lead Alex in a way that <laughs> he was led last year by Sebastian Bourdais, who had loads of experience. Yeah, Ferrucci ha- only has one
4: year of experience, and he's the team veteran.
5: Yeah, that's... That's wild.
3: That's frightening in terms of engineering. Yeah, and
4: as you mentioned, they gutted the engineering staff of this team.
3: Uh, Behind
4: the scenes, this is a very different team to what it was last year.
3: Yeah. Though... On the, on the other side of the garage, the 55 side, it seems like Team Go has a large input of staff into Dale Coyne. Well,
4: Team Go is... Uh, they're, they're new to IndyCar. They're not new to winning.
1: They have done a <laughs> whole lot in their time in motorsport, including Consider 24 Hours that- of Le Mans wins. Yeah, consider, the new business partners of the number 55 car, in 1996, brought the brand new McLaren F1 GTR to the All Japan GT Championship, and basically tore it a new one. Then, eight years later, as an Audi Sport customer team, their Audi R8 won the Indianapolis 5, uh, excuse me, the 24 Uh, Hours of Le Mans. Sure thing,
5: Rusty Wallace. (laughs) Hey,
1: hey, look,
4: look, the Audi R8 was so good, it could have, but... In fact, when they won the 24 Hours of Le Mans, they beat Audi's favored car, the they team Veloquix car. People. They and have terrific people. And Alex Palu last year was a revelation in Super Formula.
1: Three pole positions, a win in the rain at Fuji that uh, was about as dominant as I've conditions. ever seen.
4: As bad rain conditions as I have ever seen.
0: Atrocious.
1: And he drove he- out of his mind. He was a championship contender all the way to the very last weekend of the season. It was just his first season, and he was doing it with a team like Dale Coyne, Nakajima Racing, owned by that Satoru Nakajima, um, hadn't had the most success in recent years, and Pelu instantly turned them around. This guy is really good, and as I mentioned... You know, there's a lot of drivers who came in as relative outsiders. Wickens and Rosenquist were guys that people didn't know about. Alexander Rossi was an F1 guy coming in the start of things. And they all went to become Rookie of the Year winners. And I don't see much reason why Alex Palou can't do the same. He's my pick for well, Rookie of the Year.
3: Yeah, it's it's we, we ran down all the possible contenders unless something wild <coughs> happens with the lineup. Who wins Rookie of the Year between Alex Palou? Rios VK, and Oliver Askew.
4: I genuinely think Ooh, it's Pelu. That's, t- that's. I tough. think he's that good. I think it's Askew.
2: I think it's Askew as well. I think the SPM, I think the setup there will, will help him get over the line there. I've got a bit more faith in them than I do DCR, personally. So... I'm the outsider here. Boo, boo me.
1: I, I, I'm going VK. I feel like I'm like VK good. VK so I have... don't have to feel bad picking Alex Paylu just out of personal bias. <laughs>
4: Majority. Of you
1: but uh, oh yeah. no, it's two 2 one. Oh, uh... King's the King's the only one who VK. We're sorry, the Netherlands. Yep. We're sorry, the Netherlands.
2: <laughs> yes, the Netherlands.
4: Yeah, we have to deal with them in our Twitter mentions all the time. Fuck them. <laughs>
2: indeed but again a lot of excitement if the team gets his shit together over the whole season look out the talent is there even if he might be the most popular guy out there I'm going to speed up a little bit because we're getting into the smaller teams now. Mayor Shank Racing and the number 60, Jack Harvey. After three partial seasons, Mayor Shank Racing and basically the native Jack Harvey, a.k.a. You Don't Know Jack, are stepping up to (laughs) full-time IndyCar competition with new technical partners, Andretti Technology. Last year's maiden podium at the Indianapolis Grand Prix demonstrated the potential of this team, already successful in sports car racing over the years. In fact, they sometimes outperform their old technical partners' in-house entries. Many have wondered what MSR and Harvey could accomplish for full slates of races. Twenty twenty will show us exactly that.
1: Zoe and, uh, has already claimed uh, Jack Harvey as one of her own because he's half Scottish and likes earnt I uh, so, well, fine.
3: We, we we need to claim him as a podcast
1: I I, yes. I claim it because uh, you
4: know having been a sports car fan for as long as I have formerly known as Michael Shank Racing Meyer Shank Racing is good
1: yeah that's a good team now they have a full slate of races when they were just full part sl- time they were still doing really really <laughs> they, good Chris they
4: beat the SPM cars that were their technical depart—they were their technical partners last year at Indy in qualifying.
2: They're good. They're very good. And Harvey was very good last year. Like as I mentioned, had the podium at Indianapolis. But unlucky Probably, across the year. Yeah, unlucky not to have had another one um, at Portland when he was completely railroaded out of that race by Ryan hunter Ray, I believe it was on the Shadow day. Realm
1: population you that was home a bad for one. infinite no that wasn't shadow realm that was home for infinite losers was,
2: oh. yeah, he, he, and he was yeeted there by the man in yellow um it's uh yeah the, the like tak harvey can drive there is no doubt about that and again if the, if the setup is there then they could fly they really could they'll be certainly one to keep an eye on certainly um
5: it's also amazing to think that Harvey had an entire year where he didn't drive a single thing in 2016. He comes back and now all of a sudden he's got a full-time ride here. Anything's possible, kids. Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. Never
2: give up. Yeah,
5: Mans is very talented.
4: I think he's going to do great talented, things dude. this year with the Andretti partnership.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Oh, this should be a fun one. AJ Foyt, everybody.
4: <laughs> Yikes.
1: <laughs> oh, boy.
2: <laughs> in the number four car. Oh wait, it's slightly above average, friend and yours, Charlie Kimball, ladies and gentlemen. And in the number 14 car, in what will be his final season in the series, number 14, Tony Canaan, who's split in the car with Sebastian Bourdais, and the, the, the new rookie Dalton Kellett will be there as well. So it, we have it's, it's a free it's a free person car share in the 14 this year, but Kellett will get his own car at Indianapolis. The face of AJ Foyt Enterprises has changed once again. The four-time Indy 500 winner's team is now in need of drivers who can bring sponsorship as well as talent to their two-car operation. What else is new? 10th year veteran Charlie Kimball brings quite a bit of experience and sponsorship with him to take over the number four car previously occupied by Maffaeus Leist. Foyt's flagship number 14 will be occupied by two legends and a rookie. The rookie Canadian Dalton Kellett steps up after four solid, if unspectacular, years in Indy Lights and brings the team a desperately needed sum of sponsorship. The legends are 45-year-old, 45-year-old IndyCar Ironman <laughs> Tony Kanaan entering his final part-time season in IndyCar after 22 full-time campaigns, 22 years. Oh man, ago. what a career! What a career. And 41-year-old four-time champion Sebastian Bourdais, displaced from Dale Coyne racing, but eager to demonstrate he isn't ready to close the books on his open-wheel career. I mean... King's boy! How lucky have you going to be that Sebastian Bourdais just happens to fall into your lap for a season. I mean,
4: <laughs> That's about the only piece of luck this team got in the off-season.
2: Yeah, no kidding. But, uh, I mean, is there any optimism in this camp here?
4: No. At all? No.
2: I it, mean, it, when Charlie Kimball's your only full timer, I mean,
3: yeesh. Yeah, yeah th- this is certainly a rebuild year.
1: Yeah, but it's like we say that every year. Yeah, Charlie <laughs> Kimball is the kind of guy you would want to have as as a guy to build around because I feel like he was very he very much assumed that leadership role when Carlin got off the ground. For instance, he wasn't spectacular, but he, he comes from he, he was no.
4: making the best with what he had. He made if, the Indy 500 last year. He was the only year.
1: Carlin prep driver that made the Indianapolis 500, and he's got an engineering background. <laughs> and he does bring a bit of sponsorship to the team after AJ's ABC Supply just decided to cut pretty much all of it.
2: And let's not forget, yeah. he's British, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry. Um, bit, bit, bit of Brexit there kicked in there. Um, but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean... It's going to be somber anyway because we'll be waving goodbye to Tony Canon at the end of the yeah. season after 22 years and I'm pretty sure it's something in the region of like over 300 consecutive starts. Yeah. 317.
1: Ridiculous. That's Yeah, that streak's going to come to an end at St. Petersburg and that's weird. Yeah, because of Very course Canon
4: is going to be taking the ovals or Day will be taking the road courses in that car.
1: But not all of the road courses, because the majority split of the races is going to Dalton Kellett, because Kellett's the young man that brings the most money. Of course. And as mentioned, solid, if unspectacular, in Indy Lights. He's solid. He's good. He represents better for himself in LMP2 and IMSA than I feel like he did in Indy Lights. I don't want to discount him right out of the box, but I don't get as excited for him as I would for, let's say, someone like... Oliver
5: Askew Arena's Renus VK. Mm. Because they both yeah. have won. Tell- Kellett ran four years of Indy Lights and did not win a single race. Uh, Kellett, however, is actually pretty good on ovals. Um, he did—actually, didn't win a single road Indy race, but Kellett is actually really good on ovals, um, is solidly performing there, but, you know, just wasn't able to bring home the trophy. Yeah. And for Seb, you know, he's running
1: IMSA full-time this year, got dropped from Dale Coyne, much to a lot of people's surprise— Um, He's only going to get a handful of races, but he is still ultra, ultra competitive. Yeah, I mean, it feels very much like a transition
4: year where, because of the late surprise of his dropping from Dale Coyne Racing, looks like he's just getting what he can in IndyCar and potentially waiting to see what opens up next year, and filling in his time being really fucking good in
1: IMSA. Kimbles was was head of hospitality until the other year where his mother became the manager of the family avocado ranch
2: that is the most millennial family business of all time we're taking over the family avocado ranch boys
4: okay boomer
2: (laughs)
0: okay boomer
2: (laughs) did you just okay boomer me I did I'm going to fight you, Cam. No, not. No, you're not. To-
1: Dre's not even the second oldest person on this podcast recording.
2: <laughs> I'm literally the middle child now. You know how much that makes me feel insecure.
5: Pretty sure I'm the oldest one here. Pretty sure I'm the youngest. How old are you here. now these days, Chris? Thirty-one. I'm actually two months older than Graham Hall. Jesus Christ! Where you? did our lives? You're go thirty-one.
2: Wrong? RJ's, RJ. Didn't you just turn thirty? Yes. <laughs> yes.
5: Yeah, so so at least my pro- my
2: prospects of
1: my prospects of becoming an, a a top level single seater star are. Gone. But on the other hand, if I do decide to start racing, I am an automatic bronze-rated driver. Hey. Pro-Am teams hit me up. Um,
2: I'm 27, and I think RJ oh, and Cam are both 26.
4: I'm 22. Oh,
1: oh for man! Sake,
2: piss off. <laughs> <laughs> Younger. <Yuggin. laughs> yeah. uh, <but>, uh, <laughs> same sandwich is my brother.
1: Finally, Carlin Racing. Who's driving for them? Well, we don't exactly know. To be determined. Replicating the successes from other championships around the world has proven difficult for Trevor Carlin and IndyCar. (laughs) Last year, they prepared four cars for the Indianapolis 500, and three of them missed the race. One of them in the wrong color. With a week to go before the season opens, the plans for 2020 aren't even entirely certain. Matt Shilton is the only driver that is 100% confirmed for all of the road and street courses in the number 59 car. Other names that have been linked to these two cars as of recording include IMSA Premier Class Champion and F1 veteran Felipe Nazar, Formula 2 veterans Sergio Sete Camera and Ralph Boshung, Ed Carpenter Racing's Connor Daly in every non-oval race, and that's assuming if the sponsorship is there to make it happen. The possibilities are endless! (laughs) Oh, Lord. Uh, Keep in mind as well, Felipe Nazar was...
4: Apocalyptically fast in testing as well. So was Chilton. So was Chilton. Yeah, Chilton actually led one of the sessions. And Felipe Nazar, as we know, you know, kind of sniped himself out of F1 by killing Manor. By finishing in the points in his Salber, but in IMSA he is so fucking fast.
1: Yeah, I actually rate his form I actually think it was a bit unlucky not to have more success in F1. I yeah, agree with. I mean,
4: he was he was put into a Sauber team that, other than the first half of 2015, was god awful.
2: It was a terrible team, and his partner put a lot more funding into the pot than he did, unfortunately, um, which doesn't just didn't help. And now they're but, both uh, out,
1: this... and both in, a, in IndyCar. All right. I am hey, potentially excited about Sergio Sante Camera again, assuming Ooh, that yes, deal please. goes through, because he is a driver that I felt strongly could have been. <clears throat> F1's Nets Brazilian Superstar but I looked at him and thought this guy could be Indycar's Nets Brazilian Superstar he's talented.
2: Sergio Sete Camera is a very talented kid, did not get a fair shake in Formula 2 for a lot of his time there, the man is fast um, and that is what...
5: Most well known for crashing at Monaco in 2017 hey. Macau Yeah, for now.
2: But look, he's an incredibly talented kid and it's hard to talk about Carlin because we don't know what their, line, their, their lineup is yet, and even yeah. if it is Max Chilton, he's not going to be racing every race in the 59 yeah. car, so it's, like, it's hard the, to talk about him in that sense. Yeah,
1: the assumption was that Connor Daly was going to get these seats, and that looks like it's still on, but I've heard that they may not have the sponsorship there to make that happen, so it's I couldn't even confirm that for sure. Mm. Indeed. Which would be a shame because Conrad Daly was arguably Carlin's best driver in a handful of starts.
4: No, I don't think it's arguable. He was, when he showed up in the second half of last season,
1: he was putting that car where it had no right to be. He took cars that couldn't qualify for the Indianapolis 500 and was putting them up in the top ten.
5: Yeah. Could have had a top five at Gateway, but uh he had a vibration in the last stint that made it to where you could almost couldn't see out the car. Yeah, he was very unlucky to not get a better result of that race.
1: Ideally, I would love to see Nazareth set a camera and do well if they are indeed going thirty one. It's just so hard. It, it's again, by this time next week. Um, we could learn that this entire lineup is all just a sham. That'd be just like fuck it. Nico Hulkenberg's driving for us. Here, <laughs> we're, we're, we're putting Jimmy Johnson in the car a week early with the good <laughs> grace of McLaren SP. Hey y'all, it's Felipe Nazar in the 31 car at St. Pete, and Connor Daly did get the oval seats in the 59. Looks like camera is not going to be in at all because he signed a new Red Bull Junior deal. More on our next episode. Now back to the conclusion of our show.
2: Indeed. And that just about wraps up the, the grid for 2020. There's Some old, other more cards we're gonna chuck in yeah. we're gonna chuck in there. Hanley's gonna be back for Dragon Speed this year, so that should be fun. Keep an eye out for Dreher and Reinbold. Sage Caram will be back as well for the five hundred. And, and a few, few other races, yes. Yeah, I forgot he's, he's, he's more than just a one-race wildcard this year, which is good to see. Good to see the homeboy back. Um, and uh, Junkos, maybe? It, if it, the, cash if, if the, cash the cash is there. will be Kaiser. If the cash is there. If the cash is
4: there, which, of course, is the big question, because this team, you know...
2: The little, the little team who could the last year. The little
4: team who could last year, but money's real tight.
2: It is. We'll have to wait and see, but they have said that if they... Do make it. They are absolutely bringing Karl Kaiser back with him, and well, he, he's he's kind of basically he's that team owes him three beers for life after last year's miracle. pretty oh, um, much. Oh, yeah, so uh, we were, yeah, we were in there, that
4: call. We were in that call when he booted out Alonso. We
2: lost our shit. It was, it was one of it was one. Of, it, was, it might be the greatest moment in the history of this Discord, and we've had a few of them. Um, it was it was a wonderful moment. It was maybe my favorite moment in motorsport in 2019. Was Carl uh, Kaiser making the 500? Um,
5: Winner of the Motorsport 101 Drive of the Year Award for 2019. Indeed, That's very much if, true.
1: If I speak, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and then of co- and then of course you have the potential looming NASCAR stars like Kyle Busch who's been mentioned, Jimmy Johnson who is Jimmy proceeding Johnson f-
4: who is getting Wait a look,
1: test, getting a test, and his number forty eight will be purchased for Era McLaren SP to do. Who knows?
4: Yeah, he's testing at Barber, correct?
1: Yeah, we have yeah, mentioned Barber. Yeah. I mean. <coughs>
4: A lot of the season clashes with between IndyCar and NASCAR. I think maybe this year the only race yeah. he'll be able to do, unless he pulls a fucking madness and decides to run the double, will be Iowa. With the Coke 600. With I'd the Coke 600. Oh my goodness, if Jimmy Johnson
1: ran the double. Oh my god, moist. I'd be here for Huge it. Huge for both series. Oh my god, could you imagine, though, Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson doing the double? Again, Kyle Busch, that rumor has kind of faded off in the sunset, but you never know, his brother did it once. I, mean, I think the thing is with Kyle Busch right now is uh, Gibbs is in the hole a little bit, performance-wise. I think they got to focus on NASCAR right now. Yeah, that's fair. Oh Chris, um, ten What's good up? minutes <laughs> on what to watch for
5: in the road to Indy, besides, besides King uh, Kirkwood. USF 2000. <laughs> Okay, USAT 2000, I just, all I'm going to say is just uh, Cape Motorsports because they've won the last what nine championships in a row in that series, so that's really the only thing I'm going to say about USAT 2000. Indy Pro 2000, you got three drivers that you want to look for in that championship. Uh, Hunter McAurray, who was second in the, in the USAT 2000 title last year, is driving for Pab's Racing. They're making the move up to Indy Pro 2000 as well. Hunter, Bray Needs is driving, I think, for exclusive autosport in that series, so he's going to be one to look out for too, and then you got Parker Thompson in the NAFTA entry. Why do I say NAFTA entry? It's an American series with a Canadian driver driving for a team with two Mexican team principals based out of Texas. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, I know, I know, I um, know. But Parker Thompson, this is his third year in the series, driving for his third team, and I think that he's someone that, in my opinion, needs to win the championship this year. And then you move to Indy Lights with uh, a possible double-digit field uh, this year. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood driving for Andretti Autosport. You might want to pencil him in for the championship at this rate. He's won 21 races in the Road to Indy over two years and could absolutely break Spencer Pickett's all-time win record before they even get to the month of May. Um, Also look at uh, Robert McGinnis returning for uh, Andretti Autosport from New York, New York. Shout out to King. Then you have Daniel Frost from Singapore. Shout out to, I think it was Rezzy. Oliver. Uh,
0: Oh, yes, quite right.
5: Oliver
1: is our resident Singaporean patron and yep. is going
5: all out to see him at Toronto. And then in the lights, you also have to look at uh, spring training happening over the next couple of days in Homestead. Uh, Toby Sowery, uh, driving for Bellardi auto racing in Homestead. Don't know if he's confirmed yet for the whole season. Toby Sowery, as we all know, sponsored by the greatest energy drink of all time. Pussy. Rich energy. Thank you very much. Hey, <laughs> but, um, Uh, Ballardy Auto Racing is going to have probably two or three cars. And then let's not forget the perennial series runner-up, Sonia Sonia Rudia, uh, is back (laughs) with 124,000 followers on Twitter. The most by far of any driver in uh, the road to Indy. Uh, Uruguay's champion uh, is back, finished second in 2016 and 2017 and third in 2018. Spent a year racing in Europe and is now back in Indy Lights again to give it one more shot. Only to look at the rear wing of Kyle Kirkwood. Uh, I'm sorry, but Kirkwood's my pick for the championship this year. I mean, the kid's just that quick. And, fun little fact, Kirkwood and Oliver Askew are from the same hometown, Oliver and Kirk, Kyle have known each other since Kirkwood was five and Askew was seven. Uh, as good as Oliver Askew has been in the road to Indy, Kirkwood's just been that much better uh, in Dude, terms of just Kirkwood dominating. Is busted.
1: Dude, Kirkwood was lighting up the charts in Formula E rookie testing. Yep. Yep. Mans is dumb fast. There's a there's a couple other and also. Um, W Series alum Saber Cook is going to be in Indy Pro 2000 as well. That'll be good to see her racing. I'm looking at some of the other confirmed entries. You have uh, 17-year-old Antonio Saravale from Canada as one of Saber's teammates. It
3: should be important to mention Saber Cook won't be a full-time entry because she still will be fulfilling her W Series commitment.
1: The Sabre Double.
5: So, Saravalli also will not be a full-time mention. He's slated currently to run the first five race weekends of the year, but is trying to get more money to run the rest of the year. That's just what it all depends David on. David
1: Malukas is there, another HMD car. Nikita Listoshkin is there with exclusive Autosport. He's making the step up. I would love to see Indy Lights have more cars, by the way. Because I love that car. Everyone, yeah, it? very much.
5: Would. It's, a, it's mainly about yeah, budget. very much That's quality what
1: it is.
4: over quantity right now, but the quantity's really low.
1: But the quality, especially really with ASCII yeah, and with Herta and Award the year prior. Indeed. Yo, so who are we all picking for the Indy 500 this year? You know who I'm picking. <laughs> Paginode I stand Will- by my boy. Willpower. Willpower. Ooh. Uh, Jason's going with Uncle Ed um, King, who you got? I think Because mm... for me, I think it's the year that Newgarden finally ticks that box.
3: Uh, I think part of me gut
1: feeling, I think Rosenquest is going to do. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. That's a ballsy pick and he's got the team to do it. He really does. Chris? He does. No one said
4: Rossi, I'm surprised. He <laughs> finishes second every year now. Also, action IndyCar news, which came out five minutes ago. Um, ooh, the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach is currently closely monitoring the coronavirus threat in California.
3: Yes, because uh, Los Angeles County has had multiple confirmed cases. So
1: remember what I in- said? W- yeah, you know yeah. what I said about... I got mad at you for saying it, and here we go. You're welcome, everyone. Um, Thanks, King! We covered Rookie of the Year, um, Breakout Star of 2020 that was there in 2019 and before. Mm. Felix. 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 It's fucking unanimous. Um, and, and the only
4: reason why I'm not saying Colton Herta is that Colton Herta already broke out. Uh, <laughs> we could, you, you were censored. We couldn't hear you. For fuck's you. sake. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, how let, many let's races? Redo that. Will, the only ra- reason I didn't say
1: Colton Herda is because he already broke out last year. That's fair. How many races does Scott McLaughlin do this year? Four. One. Ooh.
5: Possibility of eight. I'm gonna say six. I'm gonna go four. I'm
1: gonna go four as well. Fuck it, I think okay. he does all eight that he could do with his supercar commitment. That's the spirit. I,
3: I think they'll ease
2: him in gently. I mean, I'll just give him the one for now. There's no rush.
1: <laughs> Phrasing. Uh, between the big three teams, who wins more, Penske, Ganassi, or Andretti? Penske.
3: Penske. Yeah, as a note... Ganassi. As a note, Penske won nine out of the 17
4: races last year. It's also worth noting, literally, no matter who wins, Penske wins. He
1: owns all of you. <laughs> <laughs> um so in that case I'll go
5: with Pensky and also Boldsky I'm gonna say De- I'm gonna say Ganassi. Uh,
2: that, that that's just a reach.
5: <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm sorry, but when you have Michael Cannon Engineering, Scott Dixon, that's just a recipe for and success. When you have Joseph Newgarden, Will Power,
1: Simon Pagino, and Scotty McLaughlin, it's also a recipe for success. Before, before this devolves into a bar fight, um, who's winning the Astor Cup and with it the 2020 NTT IndyCar Series Championship? Dixon.
3: Ooh, I think Alexander Rossi is going to take home the Astor Cup for the first time. For me, Just, I was going to say Joseph Freegarden.
1: I'm, I'm going to go with Joseph as well. I'm also going with Joseph. No bias whatsoever there. He look, he's got to bring hope to his home city. At if for nothing else, and I think he can do it.
2: Yeah, it doesn't help that he's disgustingly handsome, too. I,
1: I
4: would say Simon, but Simon needs to show me more than what... Like, second half of last year, everything May and onwards, Pagina was great. Before then, not so much.
1: Mm, look, we got a good season to look forward to. We got oh, error screens. We've got the Return of Richmond Raceway. Uh, we've got new bro- blood in the commentary boxes. Um... We've got what'll be another really close championship, so please listen in to Motorsport 101 as the season progresses so we can all make a hash of it. Yeah, this is a series
4: that continues to go from strength to strength, and it's great to see.
2: Indeed. All of that starting next week at St. Petersburg hopefully
5: Ho- <laughs> oh, <laughs> to be
2: determined
5: i've already booked my flights don't you dare <laughs> jinx me
2: <laughs> no gar- uh, in, to borrow a word from you chris no promises um <laughs> that'll do it for episode 235 and season preview season we're, we're up to the real uh, hearty stuff this weekend moto 2 and moto 3 kick off their seasons um, at Qatar this USA, weekend.
1: USA! <laughs> USA! USA!
2: A lot of hype in the room because Joe Roberts broke the all-time lap record in Free Practice 2 this afternoon. So, hey, Joe's gonna take it home. They baby ignore the dog. fact that
4: these bikes make more horsepower than they used to. But still, <laughs> Shh, the hype.
2: Shut up. Uh, the the Americans in the room are hyped all of that on next week's show sadly I will not be here for next week because of the Cheltenham festival I'm sorry but uh hopefully as hopefully RJ and the gang will carry you guys to a fun episode nonetheless right in case you guys you didn't catch it already. Facebook and YouTube, forward slash motorsport101. Twitter, at motorsport101. underscore 101. You know where our personal handles are Harrison101HD, at C. The Hard A, at uh, C. Buckley917, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 for all your Patreon required needs. $5 early access, $10. The Discord Supporters Club, listening to live shows, all of that fun stuff. Um, hopefully we'll be back next week. All of that on the details, much more, motorsport 101com i have been Andre Harrison, they've been Chris DeHarde, Cam Buckley, Ryan Eric King, and R. J. O'Connell. We'll be back next week to talk about Moto 2 and, and Moto 3 in Qatar. But until then, thanks for listening. Enjoy the enjoy the regular seasons, and we'll catch you soon. Sayonara.
1: Later, y'all.
4: Bye. See you. Norman Pagino for another
1: baby Borg.
5: Don't you mean baby Bork?
1: This episode is brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends. Oh, for God's sake. I thought it was brought to you by Wretch Ra- Energy. I thought this was brought to you by Pussy Energy.
3: <clears throat> I thought this was brought to you by Rowdy Energy.
4: You know what it definitely isn't brought to you by? James Dolan, and the New York Knicks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh I would never take a dime from James Dolan. You would. Even Ryan
4: Eric King won't take a max contract from the New York Knicks.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's, that, that's that post-podcast segment covered.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but guys, Blue Apron.